another episode of draft on tap my name is aldo gandia this is the third show today we started off the day with greg gabriel talking football and if you missed that show live you can catch it on demand here on youtube or just subscribe to the ballroom network wherever you get your audio podcast and you can hear uh his insight into the combine and uh, then the second show was a great interview Vinny parisi had with a blogger from fansided who covers the washington nationals they talked about uh, perhaps the uh, elimination of the uh, shift rule. A lot of people are for that. Although we ran a, a survey here on, on the Barroom Network's Twitter channel, and it seemed like it was uh, 50-50. Some fans wanted it gone, and some fans wanted it to remain. So they had a good talk about that, about the impending uh, universal DH rule. They talk a little bit about the Nationals, and now we have our third show, and it is Draft on Tap. The stars of the show are here. Danny Shimmy, how are you? I am doing great. Uh, back, glad to be back on the air with you guys today. I got a big, big day today at the barroom, and it's going to continue on here with draft talk and some free agency talk. And, and the football talk never stops at the barroom, guys. Never stops. That's right. 12 months a year. And Neil Stopchitsky is here. Hey, Neil. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing great, man. How are you, Ben? Well, you know, battling the lasting effects of a sunburn, but no worse for the wear. How'd you get a sunburn? I was in, in Texas. Texas over the weekend, boys. I was uh, scouting some high school kids. It's, uh, there was a couple big combines down there in Houston and Dallas. Mm-hmm. Saw some future, uh, you know, Bears All Pros. A, uh, <laughs> Love it. A, uh, Don't you follow him on Twitter? Although he was all over Twitter with with his, he's living in Houston and he's yeah, not, man, it was it was great I stuff. Was Found off. a seventeen year old edge rusher. That's probably going to be uh, a top uh, a big deal in the class of twenty twenty six. I was off Twitter all weekend, so I missed all that good stuff. But I'm fortunate to be here to get your expertise on Draft Talk. Before we start talking about some of the prospects you guys have identified for us to evaluate today, we've got about 10 players or so, uh, and I'm sure we'll be talking about some other players as people in the chat room want to bring up some names, and we'll see what we uh, can offer them in terms of responses. I want to talk a little bit about uh, free agency. I read a really good article by Gene Chamberlain, who writes for Sports Illustrated's uh, blog, Bears Digest, I believe. And he said that the Packers offense, uh, which, of course, Luke Getzey, the new offensive coordinator, is from, the Packers offense had most of their wide receivers, the vast majority of them were 6'1 and 210 pounds or over and they the Packers just have a big lineup of wide receivers and so I ask you guys uh just off the top of your head because I know you guys uh I didn't prepare I didn't ask you to prepare for this but off the top of your head can you think of a free agent wide receiver who is a big target like that that perhaps the Chicago Bears are going to target Danny I'll start with you first 
Yeah, I mean, right there, same team. I'll, I'll give you a guy that I think the Bears are going to go after, and, it, and it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the, the, the Packers receiver, uh, the kid on uh, UCF. I think this is a guy 6'4", 206 pounds, gives you some of that size, but he's more of that big play guy. You know, a guy that can get get, get downfield, you know, average 18 and a half to 19 yards uh, a catch last season with, with the Packers. Had a pretty productive year. His only thing is just staying healthy. You know, he's a guy that's got, you know, the, the pull groin, the, the, you know, the, you know, the muscle, the, you know, the, the, the soft muscle tissue issues. You know, that, that's a that's an issue with him so far with, with Green Bay. But, um, you know, I think Robbie had just throws in Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is a guy I'd love to have on the Bears, but unfortunately he got a knee injury late in the year so that that's a one yet that's a you know 12 month injury guys you gotta remember that's that was it november or november mid-november so this guy is not gonna be 100 uh going into going into next season and i know a lot of people talk about a hey, rob was coming off of an acl when the bears signed him look how that turned out yeah but a rob got his uh acl i believe it was week one of the season so that was early september so by the time the season rolled around his first year with the bears he was you know close to 100 so the one thing about those acl injuries you know Players are recovering remarkably now nowadays because of technology and all and science and all that stuff. But it still is a 12-month injury, a recovery time. So you know that the player will not be the same until at least 12 months after. And with guys like Gallup, you know uh, Chris Godwin from the Buccaneers, another another uh, you know high price, you know big big guy there, big talent uh, receiver there. Guys, those guys got injured late in the year. You're talking about a, again a 12-month injury. You know they might be out there suiting up before you know 12 months, but they're not going to be. At top optimum level, and you're not going to see the best of there. So, you know, to, to give them that type pick of a contract and, and kind of I don't, I don't want to say waste that money, but also you know you're not going to get the, the best out of those players. So, and Ryan Ryan Pohl said he's going to go out there. He's going to get players that that are just kind of maybe coming into their second contract. Guys that still the, the best days are ahead of them. And I think you know uh, Marquez Vettel Scaling is going to be a guy that that fits that bill. A guy familiar with the offense, obviously gets he knows him. I think he fits in and gives you that speed element. Again, some size, but more of a, a speed element, big play guy down the field. I mean, you, you touched on the big thing. The uh, the ACL for explosion athletes is a uh, it's a horrific thing to deal with. I mean, you look at our own tailback is dealing with it right now. He hasn't played in two years. Right. Right. I mean, you know, for for some guys, they come back pretty decently quick, depending on how you know freakishly, you know, easy to deal with injuries their their body is or you got some guys that, uh, you know, Derrick Rose is another, you know, pretty prime example. You know, he he blows his out and, uh, you know, pretty much killed his career for the better part of a decade. So um, that's always something you want to, you know, pay attention to. The docs are going to be all over that one. But uh, you got to love what he did at Green Bay, playing off of all the attention that uh, Devontae Adams pulled. Uh, the 18-plus yards, uh, you know, per catch is a pretty big deal. The guys able to take the top off the defense. So, um Having that guy alongside Darnell Mooney and getting another guy inside, you know, that, that definitely would not be uh, – definitely would uh, like that kind of pairing. Yeah, he wouldn't be the end-all, be-all. He wouldn't be your number one receiver, but he's the guy that's going to come in here and give you an option, right? So, obviously, yeah. I, I, I don't think he's going to be a number one. I don't think Darnell Mooney yet is a number one. So, that number one to – you know, whoever's going to be the future number one on, the, on this team may not even be on the roster right now. So, but he's a guy that's going to come in and give you some of that, that big play speed element that you have on the outside. Because right now, basically, you have I believe, two or three receivers literally under contract. So, you know, besides Mooney and and um, Daz Newsome, I think there's one more player under contract. So you need to bring in bodies both via free agency and in the draft. So, you know, I think a guy that, that's familiar with the offense, a guy that gives you that big play potential, is a, is a primary target, only 27 years old. Yeah, the only other guy we have is is the Webster kid who was on the practice squad for pretty much the entire year. So I mean, in terms of bodies, you need some. And he's more, you know, and he's more of a returner. He's not even really a receiver. I mean, he's exactly. a receiver like, position wise, but he's more of a returner. Right. 
What do you guys think about Ravi uh, inquiring about Amari Cooper down in Dallas? He's clearly unhappy there. Uh, you think he's worth trading for, or you know, trying to figure no. out how to get? <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's making he's making twenty million a year. That contract is is an albatross, and the Cowboys, you know, gave it to him. Let, let them go ahead. And, they're going to cut him eventually. If they don't, if he doesn't restructure, they're going to cut him, and then you can go ahead and sign him for for you know a cheaper price. I would not trade for him. Plus, you only have five picks, guys. Uh, you know, and and you know, what are you going to trade? So, uh, my thing is, if Cooper's probably going to be cut because Dallas is e- either over or at the at the cap, and they're going to have to make some moves. So, I think Cooper is a prime candidate to be released. So, you know, if you want to bring him in on a, on a you know ten year, one year, you know, ten million, eleven, twelve million dollar contract, fine. Or even fifteen million dollar contract, I don't care. You can bring him on a one year deal and and have him, you know, give you that big play potential. Again, I would never, I would not trade for uh, Amari Cooper. One guy that um, Greg Gabriel and I have been talking a, a lot about on his show, Greg Gabriel Talks Football and Offline, is Alan Lazard. Now, he's a restricted free agent, but with all the cap issues that are going on with Green Bay, they may not, you know, they may not pursue him as heavily. He's six foot five, he's an outstanding blocker downfield. Uh, he's not a number two wide receiver by any means. He may may not even be a number three wide receiver. But with a, with a team that only has one or two wide receivers under contract, you need mm-hmm. to find bodies. And according to Lou Getze, he wants big bodies. I got a feeling the Bears might, uh, if uh, he's only tendered like a third or fourth round tender by the Packers, I got a feeling the Bears uh, might pursue him. Uh, you guys have any thoughts on Alan Lazard? I mean, the other thing about him is he's, he's just a you know another big body receiver, but another guy that that's younger, uh, coming off his first contract. I believe he's about twenty six, you know, twenty five years old, six five two twenty seven. Uh, he's just more of a big time possession receiver, right? He's a guy that's going to be a threat in the red zone. Uh, you know, I like Scanling, Vela uh, uh, Scanling a little bit better just because of the the speed element, right? The the stretch the field kind of thing. You know, he averaged twelve. Uh, Lazard averaged about twelve point eight yards a catch. Uh, he'll receive some some big plays uh, over the middle, but again, he's not a guy that's gonna that's gonna threaten a defense, you know, vertically downfield. Now in the red zone, yeah, you gotta pay attention to him because he's got that that side that's six five, the, the big reach. You know, guys can go up and make plays on on, on the football, and that could be helpful, right? But he's talking about bringing some big play potential, you know, some speed on on the outside, some you know, big play elements. Uh, his teammates, are the guy I would be going for. Yeah. Um, Ravi says that Alan Rogers made Lazard. You know what, Ravi? I'm under the contention that I think Alan, uh, Aaron Rodgers did not do Lazard a lot of favors. If you look at that playoff game, that pass that Rodgers forced to Devontae Adams, who was open down the middle of the field for at least a 25, 30 yard gain, it was Alan Lazard. I think sometimes because of the special connection Rodgers had with Devontae Adams, he bypassed Lazard a lot of times. And I think that. On, on a different team, Alan Lazard, all of a sudden, his production could almost double in terms of pass catching. I like the guy. I really do think he might be worth a third or fourth round tender, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how that I, I challenge you on that one because, remember, Lazard dropped the pass earlier in the game, and Aaron Rodgers did not trust him to make that catch. So yeah. that tells me that, that the quarterback has no trust in his receiver if he bypasses a wide-open Lazard to – to force it into a covered Devontae Adams. So that's another thing for me. So you saw it as, as, a, as a negative on Rodgers. I saw it as a negative red flag on Lazard in terms of the, the quarterback doesn't have a trust in him. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, is that he's, he's the type of guy that you want if you already have playmakers here, right? Because, you know, right. he's, the, he's the third guy. 
It's good we point. don't have enough playmakers on the roster as it is. So we have to go and find those guys first before we start, you know, filling the roster up with uh, possession receivers. Yep. All right. And the other thing in that column, again, written by Gene Chamberlain over at Bears Digest for SI, he, he talked about the Packers having a lot of really super quick offensive linemen and that uh, most of their guys were at around that 300-pound or less weight because they wanted guys to get out to that second level right away. Yep. Who on the Bears' offensive line, because all of them are going to have to lose weight, but who on the offensive line now that we know is under contract now is a guy – who has that kind of potential for quickness? I mean, and on top of my head right now, Sam Mustafer is a guy that, that that's his game. His, he's a guy, yeah, he's a guy that that uses that speed element, the quickness to be able to get out to the second level. He's he's a you know zone blocking scheme, you know, center. So uh that's why we saw when it was when a one-on-one point at the point of attack versus bigger body, stronger dudes, you know, he got rocked back and pushed back. So uh, for me, James Daniels is a guy that, that if, if he's brought back, he could be your starting center. He's a guy that can has shown the athletic ability to go ahead and, you know, at the line of scrimmage, be able to complete reach blocks, which is, you know, uh, move you know two or three, you know, uh, steps to, to your left or right and be able to uh, get to that interior defensive lineman and be able to seal him off or, or block him. He's a guy that I think can get out to the second level. We've seen some of the, the big highlights of him is in that Raiders game, just, you know, plowing over that that safety. Uh, getting out to the next level and being able to get to that defender and and you know you know sustaining and maintaining his blocks and and that's what I've been that's what I've been scouting for here in terms of the offensive line because they are going to bring in that they're going to continue with that that uh, wide zone the athletic uh, you know line linemen so I'm thinking they're going to you know get guys that can move laterally uh, and maintain their blocks at the line of scrimmage and also guys that are that are good in space so there's a couple of players today that I'm going to highlight that that fit that bill to a T. Yeah. Um, and any uh, offensive linemen, Neil? What do you think about Larry Borum and and Tevin Jenkins, those uh, second round, or the second rounder and fifth rounder uh, from last year? Uh, do you think those guys are going to fit into this scheme if if the call is for faster offensive linemen? You think they're going to have any issues? You know, I think that Tevin Jenkins showed enough movement in space to be able to to function. Larry Borum, I like what he looks like from a physical and athletic standpoint after he lost all that weight. You know, that was the one thing that we talked about last draft, you know, when we were talking about, uh, you know, Larry Moore getting drafted, um, you know, the big thing was, was uh, he, he played last year at a play weight of like 338 pounds, I think. Mm-hmm. And he lost about 20 pounds going into the combine, which shows you a lot of, of, of intent and, and, you know, hard work and dedication. Sure does. And he, he came into the season. He looks a lot better. He moves a lot more uh, smoothly. A lot more smoothly. Where the hell did I go to school? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, athletically speaking, the, the kid looks a hell of a lot better than he did in Missouri. Just gonna go ahead and tell you guys. So I think he's a guy that, that can work for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing with Tevin Jenkins will always be, and you know, me, Danny and I went on and on ad nauseum about it during last year's shows. We don't think he's a left tackle. We think he's a right tackle at best. He's probably better as an interior guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was slated to be a left tackle. I know at some point at, at uh, uh, Oklahoma State, you know, kudos to the kid. He went ahead and played whatever position they needed him to play. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the film just isn't there of him playing left tackle. And then the other thing about it is, is he hasn't been available. He's been hurt all, all of all except for, what, four weeks since mm-hmm. he's been in Chicago. So that, that's a, that's also a massive problem. So you have mm-hmm. to account for that in, in terms of, you know, your draft class as well. You know, uh, just waiting for something else to happen with the kid. Yeah. 
Have you guys looked at any of the tape of Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman from Tulsa? Don Burr, our buddy from uh, Detroit, uh, is uh, asking. Any mm-hmm. thoughts on him if you've looked at that tape yet? Got a little bit of him at the, the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl, actually. yeah. Um, yeah, other than Super Bowl, I haven't seen anything else. You know. Yeah, I, I didn't get around to you know watching a whole lot of game film on him, be, just based on how he looked at the Senior Bowl. wasn't you know incredibly impressed. Um, or wait, no, it, it was uh, Chris Paul that was at Senior Bowl. Chris Paul was Tyler Smith, but was, I thought I thought Tyler Smith, the Tulsa kid, was at was he at the East West Shrine game? I got my Probably East West Shrine game. Yeah, yeah it's one, one, one of the All Star games that that I saw him at. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, we, we could we could definitely. We could definitely do them for for next, like our next show, Don. Yeah, Don, we'll uh, we'll uh, uh, definitely have the guys look at it for our next show, which actually could be in about two weeks because Danny uh, may not be with us next week. So, um, but we'll talk about our schedule later. All right, let's uh, pay our uh, turn our attention to the guys that you have identified that you have looked at tape at, and um, why don't you start us off, Mister Shimon, with? The wide receiver out of Purdue, his name is David Bell, and I love this guy. As I was editing yeah. one of these highlights, these uh, this tape, I, I just fell in love with what I saw, man. Go ahead. Yeah, this is a guy that's getting a lot of buzz, especially with that that top fifty area, and obviously with that second round pick in round thirty nine. I think this is a guy that can that could bring uh, some of what we're talking about, right? We're bringing a guy that's got some experience, a guy that's got some juice, and a guy that can make some plays downfield. So. Think about David Bell. You you put on this kid's tape, and he's a highlight reel waiting to happen. Three-year starter. Guy has a basketball background in his high school uh, playing days. You, you can see some of that translate here. Look at that play right there. His ability to go ahead and 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 you know use his body control to be able to outstretch and, and get you know extend his arms away from his frame and make plays like that where he's parallel to the ground. I think are, are are just tremendous highlights of this kid. And you know the thing about him is he's got the solid frame. You know, has has those long arms you just t- talked about, so he you know he can you know outstretch offside his frame and give you a nice big catch radius. Excellent body control we just saw there again right here. Be able to contour and adjust to the to the throw there. Uh, you know, he's not a burner, but he's got solid straight line speed. You know, he's not a guy that's going to be a, a, a threat. I, when we the guy I looked at him a lot of times, and I and I watch him, and I and I kind of look at, it, I keep remembering him is is Michael Thomas at Ohio State. Some similar guy, you know, a guy's got good size, good frame. Guy can extend and make plays out, you know, over over defenders. Uh, but he's not a burner, not, not a big time, you know, downfield uh, stretch of field kind of, or stretch of defense, or throwing a defense kind of uh, receiver. Uh, but you know, quiet feet at the top of his routes. You see him getting in and out of his breaks, nice and clean, quick and easy. Uh, tough, competitive, uh, you know, catcher in in, in in traffic right there. The guy does not back down; will catch through contact. So that's what I love about this kid. And again, three-year starter. Uh, you know, you know, consensus All-American in 2021, um, you know, terrific hands catcher. So I, I think this is a guy that, although he's not that burner I've been, I've been, you know, asking for, he does make big plays down the field because of this, because of his ability to go up and, and make contested catches, his ability to, to contour with that body control and, and, you know, and use his hands to go ahead and pluck the ball out of the air and just as, as a big play threat, a highlight reel catch maker every time he's on the field. Here's the, I think, final play in that package of uh, plays uh, that you identified. Another sensational body control is just outstanding, isn't it, Neil? Just had to throw up a a clip against Notre Dame, didn't you, Danny? (laughs) I had to. I had to put it in this little thing. I'm glad you noticed that one, Neil. I'm glad you saw that. (laughs) (laughs) Just had to do it to me. (laughs) And I'll I'll tell you this. um, I, I also... You know, I'm always interested in to hear these guys and how they handle questions and so forth. And so I found um, 
some uh, videotape. He was interviewed by, of all people, Matt Leinert, who I, I don't know why this guy is still in existence, <laughs> but he's got a job uh, over at one of the channels, uh, Fox uh, Sports, I believe. And he, uh, Matt Leinert said, yards after catch are, is, are probably your biggest strength. And this was David Bell's response. I have to say that is uh, one of my greatest strengths, but I think my biggest strength is being able to catch the ball uh, in traffic also and being able to know where my body is on the sideline. So, like, on that play, I don't go out of bounds and stuff like that. But First of all, I want to ask you something. Are you supposed to go inside release here or outside? <laughs> I knew it. I'm telling you, I knew it. I watched this play, and I'm like, that for a quarterback, we're, we're not expecting you to go inside. Talk us through this one. Uh, so, you know, initially we're supposed to go outside, but through the whole week of preparation and practice and just being able to uh, – pick up on how the defenses, defensive backs play throughout the game. I knew it would be tough for me to get outside because in previous situations, I wasn't able to get outside. So I just decided to kind of do my own thing and slip inside and luckily ate him and still threw the ball. Not only does he have great body awareness, but he also has the awareness of while in practice, he sees what's working and he makes adjustments in the game. I'm not sure some coaches would like that, but I'm certainly impressed because he's delivering results. What do you guys think? Yeah, he's, he's a student of the game. This guy, you know, he's tall. He's, he's, you know, his head on, is on straight. He's, he's into the film. He watches the defensive coverage. He, he sees tendencies. He can see what defenders are doing. Uh, you know, he sees if, if a certain coverage is lined up a certain way, that safety's going to, you know, react a certain, you know, certain in, in a certain area, a certain way, and he's going to be able to be, beat this, beat this corner and get upfield and, and make a bigger play than what it was initially designed. So that that again tells me that the kid not only performs, you know, on the football field but also off the football field. He takes this job seriously, and so I think that's that's only a plus for him. You know, he, you know, if he does that in an interview process, I know scouts and coaches might initially kind of frown on that, like, oh, we don't want you kind of ab living there. You're just a you know a rookie here. But once he gets into the playbook and he knows, you know, he knows the NFL, knows the coverages, and continues to make plays like that, big plays, I think they're going to appreciate some of that. A lot of the stuff that you know, Adams and like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers do is a lot of ad lib that we don't know about. Right. There's a lot of times that that, you know, that they kind of see something that 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 those two are on, on the same wavelength that the other offensive players are not on. But then you see this big play develop is it because those two kind of saw what was going on in terms of the defensive coverage and decided to take advantage of the, of the defense the way they were lined up. So, you know, this happens commonly in, in, in the NFL. Uh, so I think that that's just a plus. It shows you that this kid is, is pro ready as he comes here at, at the next level. Uh, Neil uh, Don Burr, our buddy from Detroit, says he's basically the guy the Bears are losing in Allen Robinson. You think that's a good comp, uh, David Bell and Allen Robinson? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I watch a ton of uh, Big Ten football, especially now that I'm dating a Purdue, <laughs> a Purdue fan. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's I can't escape it. I really can't. I try to. But uh, <laughs> ah, you're I try to escape you. I try to escape, you know, watching Purdue. I, that's all. But uh, no, I mean, for, for three years, man, this, this this dude has been nothing but big time plays. He has such ridiculous wide receiver instincts out there mm -hmm. that I just put the ball in his general area code and he's going to figure out a way to go get, go get the ball. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I could ever really say the same thing for Alan Rock. He's a big time playmaker. Don't get me wrong. But David Bell has that certain it factor that mm -hmm. you look for in a, right, a wide receiver that has a size, not necessarily a speed, but will just go and get the ball. Jerry Rice was a guy that had ridiculous wide receiver instincts that didn't have great speed, but didn't even have the great size, but was able to just get the ball, get open, get the ball. And that, that's, that's, that's all you need a lot of times. 
Right. If, if this kid runs at four four at the combine, he's not making it to the Bears. I'm telling you right now, he's going to go in the first round. And the only probably thing, be a four five ish somewhere. The, the, the only reason he's going to drop is because they, because of that the lack of speed that 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 you know yeah. that ability to stretch the field and, and be that deep threat. And again, Neil was right. You know, he's a guy that that his instincts, the body control, the, the ability to go up and make a play on the football. You know, it's like it's all there. The only thing he's missing is that that big play speed, if you will. To be a threat, a home run threat, and I think that's the only reason he probably he might not make the he might not make it in the first round. He might still go even if he runs a four or five. But I'm just telling you, like like right now, if, if I'm the Bears, it's 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 him, and there's another player I'm going to talk about later that I'm kind of hoping and praying that they fall there at number thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, Neil, why don't you take us to one of your five players? You name the guy, and we'll follow along. Yeah, so I, I think I was pretty clear that you know the first couple of shows I feel like number thirty nine has to be an offensive lineman. I feel like this is the weakest part of our team. Um, it's e- it's easily the place that has the, the the least depth, and you need the most protection on on a young quarterback that's still trying to learn. And so, I also try to focus on a little bit more on the guys that we touched on the previous two shows from the Senior Bowl. And so, I think the first guy I'm going to start off with it, start off with is Zion Johnson, kid from Boston College. Um, might be my favorite player, my favorite offensive lineman in this draft, not named Trevor Penning from you know, Northern Iowa. Uh, Zion Johnson from Boston College uh, got there from Davidson. All right. Was, you know, so he was a transfer, three-time All-ACC kid, two-time team captain. Um, started at both left guard and left tackle throughout the course of his career. He's got 30 starts at Boston College, 19 at Davidson. So almost, thir- almost 50 starts in his entire career. Um, that's a big thing for me because I feel like, you know, in, in terms of getting guys, you want to know what they're about. You want to see plenty of film. You want to be able to evaluate them. Guys that have, uh, you know, a, a ton of stars, a ton of experience, have some age to them on the football field. We call it a play history and scouting. And, and then in addition to that, I look for guys that have the athletic ability, the, the guys that uh, have football intelligence, that are there's, you know, strong and, and uh, you know, uh, mechanically sound, you know, at the point of attack. And, uh, and also, I mean, you guys know this already about me. I love guys that are mean and nasty and, and physical and, and all those types of things. So Zion Johnson to me is really interesting because I think that he gives you a lot of, of uh, versatility, which is very valuable. Um, you know, he's had impeccable growth from one year to the next throughout his entire career, but mainly from last year in terms of 2020 to, you know, 2021 season where, you know, after 2020, I probably thought that he was more of a, of a day three guy. And now he's probably potentially year one or a, a day one guy. I think he could be around at pick 39 to fall to the Bears, you know, on day two. Um, but he got there through work ethic and, and dedication, man. He's got phenomenal balance and base. He's got strength at the point of attack. He's good with his hands. He's got strong hands. He, he, he can hold block. And a dedicated kid. You know, if, if you guys didn't watch any of the senior bowl, they, they showed the clips where he stayed after practice to work on a snap so that he can show the scouts there that, you know, he has his mind on potentially playing center. And when the guy is asking questions about why he was doing that, he said, you know, just like, uh, you know, the guy we were just talking about before, he wants to be able to play anywhere the coaches want him to play. And so, um, you know, the, the kid the is pretty impressive. You know, there there was uh, some snaps that I put up on, on Twitter a couple weeks ago during uh, the one kid from uh, UCLA, Otito. You know, he got himself so far out of position but still had the strength and athletic ability to recover and still use his hands to, to you know, guide the – guy the defensive lineman around the quarterback um you know there's uh there, there, there's things to be said about about kids that that you know have the recovery to be able that's the strength the recovery strength and recovery speed the recovery power to be able to, to pull off a move like that and, but i mean basically he dominated you know his opportunities down down there at the senior bowl 
And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, you look at him as a first first year as a full-time starter at Boston College, had a breakout year, you know, resulting in uh, a second-team all-conference and only seven starts. You know, he's a quick, twitchy dude. Um, he went from average build to a pretty well-built guy. And he, was, he spent a lot of time in the weight room in the offseason from uh, 2020 to 2021. Um, and, you know, the other thing I didn't see la- uh, in 2020 that I saw in 2021 was his ability to attack defenders. You know, he was a guy that essentially just let the guys come into him and 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 hold his blocks that way. He didn't seek out contact. And in that way, it almost seemed like he lacked power and strength as well. He fixed all that. He answered all the questions, um, which a lot of times is, you know, when, when you're talking about kids that are dedicated, that, that have the work ethic, that uh, you know, are serious about playing the game, they get the questions answered from one year to the next. And that, that's that's huge with scouts. So, um, you know, smart kid. Um, I, I, I love what I see of him arguably my favorite offensive lineman in this draft. Um, if he's there at 39, I'm taking him hands down, no questions asked. And he can play left he could play left guard, he could play center, he can play right guard. He can even, you know, fill time and at the tackle positions if we need him to. But you know, he's an inside guy all the way from an athleticism and strength standpoint. You know, he can play anywhere inside and that's what you want in an interior offensive lineman taken on day two. Yeah, and Aaron's saying he, he kind of doubts that um, if Zion will be available at number 39, maybe even in the second round, he, he could be a potential first-rounder. You guys agree with that assessment? Could be. He could be Absolutely. a potential first-rounder, yeah. But the thing with him is he, I think he came in at, at 6'2", and I think a lot, a lot of a lot of teams kind of scoff at that. So that, that that might drop him into the top of that second round, so so he might be available there. But, yeah, I mean, when I watch his tape, I mean, he I put down day one starter. This is a guy that – the Bears get him at 39. You can either cut Cody Whitehair, save that cap, save that, that, that cap money, um, or you can move Cody Whitehair. But the Zion uh, Johnson is your is your day one left guard, and you could leave him there for the next 10, 15 years. That's how that's how good of a player this kid is. Like you know, Neil touched on it uh, in terms of versatility. The guy, the guy, they asked him to pl- move inside and play some center. You know, he hadn't done that pre- uh, pre- uh, at Boston College. He went ahead and started snapping the ball and, and stayed after practice and, and showed that he has a dedication. That if you ask him to move, play center. You know, he'll do it. He'll play center. So, um, you know, last year he played left tackle. So, you know, this is a guy that, that's got some versatility, but I think, you know, his future is going to be inside pro- primarily a, a guard is, is, is what I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah, you talked about, you know, guys moving laterally, being able to maintain their blocks as, they, as they're moving east and west. Zion Johnson fits the bill here. He will be a, a guy that will fit nicely in that, that zone scheme blocking uh, system that the Bears are, are, are still going to implement this year. 100%. To give you guys an idea about his size, he measured in a 6026 with 62 three quarters, 314 pounds. Uh, massive length measurables on the kid. He had almost 11 inch hands, which is just, you know, a beast of a hand, bigger than, than even Aaron Donald's hand, who notoriously has massive hands. Mm-hmm. Almost a 34 inch arm, uh, almost an 83 inch wingspan. You know, for a dude that's only 6'2, those are, those are massive length measurables that are only going to help him even more, you know, you know playing inside against those uh, mean, nasty dudes. Yeah, plus that versatility is, is awesome to have on your roster, right? If, if, if you're playing a left guard and the next thing you know, your left tackle goes down, you can just move him out to left tackle. He's got the experience. He can go and fill in there for your left tackle just to get you through the football game as well. So, you know, that type of versatility, having an offensive lineman that can play multiple positions. That's why I'm a big fan of Alex Bars. Alex Bars, that I, I think, got no no respect on, on from the previous coaching staff. You know, a guy could play left tackle, could play right tackle, could play right guard, left guard, even play some center. I think he even started a game against the Titans uh, two years ago at center. So, uh, you know, that type of versatility and an offensive lineman, you know, saves you an extra body on game day, you know, having to make another you know, alignment that available just to, so if he's, if he's a tackle, if he's a guard, you know, a guy that can play all four or five positions on the offensive line is, is very, very valuable on a football team. That's a guy you got to bring back in my opinion too. Just, you know, offshoot Alex bars, 
you know, although kind of got me off track talking about Tevin Jenkins and, and Larry Borum a little bit, but that, when he asked me that question, man, I was going to talk about Alex Bars, but that's a dude that, that was on the hook for 800 K last year. You could probably resign him pretty cheap, yeah. put him on the roster, you know, fill a spot if you need to. The kid's mm-hmm. big, he's athletic. You know, he was the extra blocker for, you know, Versatile. all of last year. Yeah. 100% big, you know, big and athletic. I mean, you can never go wrong with big and athletic. I agree with that. By the way, the factor has a good idea, and the fact that we are definitely going to do this, Neil and Ben doing a live mock draft. But what we're going to do is, after free agency, Greg Gabriel and I were talking about this today. Mock drafts before free agency is a waste, waste. of time. It's just a waste because you're going to do a mock draft now, and uh, you know, and and select a wide receiver for the Chicago Bears with the 39th pick, and who knows, maybe the Bears land a couple of wide receivers in free agency, and so you just wasted your time doing that mock draft. So we're definitely going to do it about a week or two after free agency, once the Bears have signed a handful of players. Then we'll sit down, and besides doing our regular evaluation of players every every show like we do, we'll also do some fun mock drafts with the with these two guys and have some fun and maybe even get some of your mock drafts, post some of your mock drafts, the Factor and Hair Bear and uh, 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 Ravi and, and Mule and others, and have the guys evaluate your mock drafts. That would be fun. All right, Danny, let us take you to your next player. Let's see who I got here on my little uh, list of videos. I think I have uh, Mr. Kyle Phillips, the wide receiver from UCLA. All right, so Kyle Phillips is a, is a kid I, I've deemed my sleeper guy here. You know, he's a he's a receiver that that really, uh, during the East-West Shrine practices, took off and, and it was was really impressing scouts. So I went in and I dug into some some of his tape, and, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a strictly a slot receiver, you know, he's, he's a more quicker than fast, you know, receiver, uh, you know, he's, he's tough, will go over the middle, make those tough contested catches, especially as, as a slot receiver. But I love this kid's blocking. Look at the way he blocks here on, on these tape guys. There's a guy, he blocks that, in, that interior, uh, that slot corner there and gives his running back an opportunity to go up there and get a first down. You know, the more you watch this kid on, on tape, the, the, you, know, you, you talk about grit, you talk about toughness. Um, you know, it does a nice job of getting in and out of zones here, finding a nice little opening there, getting upfield quickly with some with some yards after the contact, um, you know, runs good, solid routes. Again, simply a, a slot receiver. But again, you need you need some toughness there in that slot position. I think this guy brings it. You know, this is a copycat league. And and, and what do we see a lot of times now with with uh, with the Rams, right? Cooper Cup you know, lining up inside. And in the slot, and and he's blocking guys off the edge. So I think this is a guy that I'm not seems a Cooper Cup guy, but he's you know he's he's a guy that they can give you some of that toughness inside and be an ability to, to to give you some blocking as well. Look at here down the seam, does a nice job of uh, stretching away from his frame, adjusting to the football, and making a, a nice catch there for for a big play. Um, again, we're going to see him here. Go ahead and, and and take on this blocker here, and and what does it do? That block right there. On, on a uh, fourth down play allows his teammate to go ahead and convert that first down. That to me might, might not come out on a stat sheet, but that to me is a winning play. That's a winning football play for me. So I, th- I love seeing guys, uh, especially guys that, you know, you know, that's why I come my sleeper guy. Cause he's a guy, not a lot of teams, unless you watch West coast football, you know, late at night, pack 12 football and you watch you're a big UCLA fan. Uh, you probably never heard of Kyle folks, but you put on his tape, you watch that blocking effort. You watch him go down the middle uh, as a slot receiver and be able to, you know, again, not a blazer, more, more shiftier, more quicker than fast kind of receiver, but a guy that's going to be reliable over the middle um, and, and give you a nice uh, blocker in that slot position. 
Don versus Gal Phillips gets more pub because he went to UCLA, but Boise. That's not boy. true. Khalil Shakir is a is a is a more um, dynamic receiver, Don. So Khalil Shakir is another guy I like a lot. He's a guy that's got more speed. He's not the blocker that Cal Phillips is. So, so if you're talking about you know some big play potential, you know Cal, um, uh, Khalil Shakir is going to go probably in, a, in the first three rounds, probably probably day two pick. Uh, Kyle Phillips is more of a, of a day three pick. So I'm not saying Phillips is better than Shakira. I think Shakira is going to be higher on my board. I, I, I can guarantee you Shakira will be higher on my board. But uh, we're talking about a sleeper pick here, a guy that not a lot of you know people have heard of. That's why I bring up Kyle Phillips' name. But but Shakira is a player as well. But he's more dynamic. He's a more guy, more twitchier. I got to get, get up, feel quicker. Um, you know, I was watching Chad Muma, uh, Wyoming Tate versus Boise State, and all I could see is Khalil Shakur, you know, grabbing, you know, little, you know, slip screens and getting upfield 10, 15 yards. So he's a guy that's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a, a solid pickup for some team, probably a third round area. And guys, a lot of time the, the staying power of a wide receiver always comes down to can you catch the ball? Can you score? Can you do all the intangible stuff? And in terms of intangible stuff, can you play special teams? Can you block? That, right. That's the thing, especially I forgot that uh, he's a punt returner, Kyle Phillips. He's got two touchdown returns as, as a punt returner as well. So it gives you that added value as a, as a returner, too. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, Robbie makes me laugh because he says he reminds him of Dane Shots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this, this guy's better. I think he's, I think he's better than Sonsbacher. Yeah. And, and I actually, uh, after I watched a couple of the clips, I said, you know, he kind of reminds me of Daniel Braverman a little bit, although he's bigger than Braverman. I believe Braverman was 5'9, five, 5'10. Five, he was a big, big favorite of draft doctor Phil, but it never, never worked out for a Braverman in the NFL. Um, all right. Uh, let us turn our attention now to one of Neo's selections. You name him and we'll follow you. Going to go with Ed Ingram from LSU. You know, I, I talk about him a lot, and I know Danny hates it, but I love it. Um, <laughs> Ed Ingram is going to be a guy that – what's that? I'm not a hater of Ed Ingram. I just – I think oh, he had you, a better you year last year than this year. You give me hell all the time about him. The same way I gave you hell every time last year you want to talk about that quarterback from Texas. Hey, he's going to be a starter in Indianapolis this year. Watch. Okay. All right, so here we go. Ed Ingram from LSU. Um, you know, the thing about this kid that I love and, you know, a, a former player said it about him last year when – they thought that he was going to go to the draft, you know, said a little bit about how the Ed Ingram goes about his business. The, the quote was zero care for the welfare of the man across from him fits right into what I love about offensive linemen. Um, so he's an interior guy, guys. He's a six, three and an eighth, 317 pounds, big old 10 inch hand, 33 and a half uh, uh, arm length, almost 84 inch wingspan, uh, four year starter at LSU played 45 games, 34 starts. Uh, set out the 2018 season. I'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, he's a dude that's tough. He's stout. He's strong. He's powerful. He controls the line of scrimmage. He's got violent hands. He's tough to beat. Um, good instincts. He anticipates his opponent. Has enough athletic ability and short area twitch to uh, to mirror the guy across from him. Um, you know, uh, in 2020, he started left guard. He was a backup at left guard in 2019. and started as a true freshman in 2017, in, you know, around that 2018 year that, that he didn't uh, – that he didn't play, um, you know, and especially last year, he impressed me in the run game, the passing game. It's what really got me, got me going on from the very beginning, both in the run game, and the passing game really impressed me. And, and he really rose up the boards that way. The biggest question to me is the, uh, the background check on him, and which I think has been answered, but it was, a, it was a lingering thing that may or may not have forced him to stay the extra year, but he said all 18 with a, with a, uh, you know, suspension for an arrest from an alleged sexual assault. The charges were dropped and, uh, you know, 2018 turned into a redshirt year. 
Um, you know, all the interviews that he's had to, you know, take up with the NFL guys over the course of the past two years, a lot of that has been cleared up, I would imagine, especially if he's still being projected as high as he is. But, uh, you know, the, the character checks, you know, as, as long as they come back good, this kid is definitely going to be a day two guy. You know, he plays with attitude, he plays with aggressiveness. He doesn't have, you know, the just just the raw brute strength power that that some of the guys that we've talked about this year and last year, you know, have have possessed. But, you know, he's got really good feet and, and he has that prick mentality. Right. So, you know, in, in terms of, you know, toughness and physicality and mean streak and, and, and prick, you know, he, he he checks all those boxes. Um, you know, if, if he's a guy that, that falls to the Bears at 39, or even if he's if, if we go a different direction at 39, he could also still be potentially a guy that, that's that's there later on day two in round three. I think it was 71, right? I think it's pick 71. So he, he's a guy that, that could be there anywhere on on, uh, on day two. Um, you know, he's probably a guy you start at, at, at right guard, um, just given, you know, given the fact you won probably a little bit more of a, a twitchier athletic guy at left guard. But, you know, he's definitely a guy that I want on my roster. Yeah, for me, uh, obviously, LSU, SEC guy, I love those kind of players. And I, I agree. I think, you know, he's, he's more he's more of a, of a north-south power guy than, for me at least, than he is a, an east-west, you know, zone scheme kind of guy that can move laterally and maintain those blocks. So that's why I don't know if he's a, if a ideal fit for the – for the scheme that they're gonna they end up running here in Chicago, but you know we saw him there running some some power, you know out there getting out there and pulling and some some counter trade there. So I think more that's more of like the, the gap power scheme. I think I see him you know being utilized there. You know like like just like last year was it two years ago when Ben Cleveland from from uh, Georgia was coming out. I, I liked the guy. The guy was a was a man mover, but he just couldn't move laterally. And I think and even though Ed Ingram is a, is a better overall athlete than than in Cleveland. I just didn't think Cleveland would be a fit in the Bears, and I think he went to a team that utilizes him like the Ravens. So, you know, you know, he's got to be in the, in the right system to be able to go ahead and, and and get his maximum potential out of there. I just don't think, uh, you know, a, a stretch, you know, zone scheme is going to be an ideal situation, ideal uh, place for Ed Ingram to go ahead and, and, and play there. I think he's going to be more suited for, like I said, you know, that the, the gap power, you know, the, the guys like the Cowboys, guys like the Ravens, you know, th those kind of systems of guys where they have their, their guards get out in front and pull – uh, on counter trades, power plays, and all that stuff. And I think that's where he's going to probably excel. I'm telling you, the guy does uh, have some power. I mean, when he uh, when he zeroes in on those defensive backs, those guys are flying. He can move better than you think he can, man. I, I've, I've seen the kid live. I mean, he, he, can, he can move now. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, man. Oops, wrong camera. All right, let's uh, move on. Uh, who do you got next, Mr. You tell me. You tell me what you want. Who you want? Oh, okay, I love being in charge. How about Mr. DeMarco Jackson, inside linebacker from Appalachian State? All right, so this was a request from last week. Uh, someone in the chat asked us about DeMarco Jackson. I told him, I, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him other than what I saw at the Senior Bowl, so I went ahead and put on some of his tape and. And you know, you know, this guy's uh he's got some NFL bloodlines. You know, his cousin Maurice Morris played in the NFL for the Seahawks and the Lions. You know, this is a guy that um, you know, Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year in 2021, first team all Sunbelt, team captain, two-year starter, uh, played 53 games with 32 starts. Uh, you know, I, I put him on, and and the first thing I talk about is, is solid body composition. This guy is just stout, he's got a stout frame. Um, he's got that burst and acceleration to close to the ball carry quickly here. We see him coming on a delayed blitz. Look at that burst. He'll get to that quarterback, make him rush that throw and cause an incompletion. So I, I love seeing that right there. Uh, talk about a guy on, on delayed blitzes. You know, he can you could bring him in and he can provide something in terms of a pass rusher. Uh, aggressive on his run fits. The guy closes in 
on the hole quickly and is aggressive. You know, he's, he's more of an in-the-tackle box type of linebacker, um, you know, than he is a guy that can go sideline to sideline. So I think if, if we were running a system like last year where we had, a, you know, 3-4 and we had two inside linebackers, I think he'd be a nice fit next to Roquan Smith. But I think now that we're going with with the with the 4-3 and we're going to need more sideline and sideline playmakers, I think that's where some of his limitations might come in. Now, unless you move him out to the, as a strong side linebacker and ask him then to fall in the coverage, which at Appalachian State, you know, they rarely use him in coverage. There were some opportunities where they had him, you know, going downfield with a tight end or, or, or a back out of the backfield, and it wasn't really that that you know that pretty. But again, it was it was some clips. It wasn't a, you know a majority of the time. So that's something that maybe he can get coached up on. But uh, and, in terms and, of being, and this is the play where he, he was blitzing, but he was picked up. But his tenaciousness, he still was able to get to uh, back into the backfield. This right, the, the guy, the guy, you know, plays hard, no doubt about it. You know, runs to the football. There you go. Right then again. Talk about that burst, that speed, right? You know, when you see a player, uh, a ball carrier, whether it's a quarterback or a running back in the open field, and you're a linebacker, you want to see your linebacker get to him quickly. You don't want to see him, you don't want to see the offensive player be able to get an angle on, on the defender and get around him or, or get past him for, for a big play. So here again, uh, run, look at that run. If you play that again, although real quick, comes down aggressive, he's in the hole, flashes his helmet, gets in there, knifes through, and gets the, the running back down for, for a loss there. So you know, the guy's physical at the line of scrimmage. That's why I love him as an in, in the tackle type of linebacker. But when you start asking him to get outside the tackle and kind of go sideline, sideline, that's where you see some of his deficiencies in terms of his foot his foot speed and, and, and lack of quickness. He's more of a north-south runner than he is an east-west type of runner. So that's where I think some of the limitations would might not make him an ideal fit for the Bears. Yeah, and uh, Don Burr says DeMarco is too small. Looks like a more of a safety instead of a linebacker. But he, he's six feet, two thirty-five. So he, he doesn't have the, the the length that you that you look for. He's about you know thirty-one and seven-eighth in terms of arm length. But he's stout. He's got he's got a real solid frame. I think he'll be a nice, like I said, inside linebacker in in a three-four system. Definitely a day three uh, type of pick, and maybe yeah. even an undrafted free agent, right? No, I, I think he gets drafted. I think he he he, uh, he put enough on tape, and also I think he did enough at the Senior Bowl to go ahead and get drafted. So uh, I think he, he's a day three guy. Well, whether he's a fourth, fifth round pick, I'm not sure yet. But yeah, he's definitely a day three guy. And I think you know if if you get him in here, and if say for example the Bears burn him on, I, I don't see him playing that inside middle linebacker position in a four three. But if you move him to a strong side, but then then his length and his size might come into an, an issue because now as a strong side linebacker, you're going to be asked to run downfield. And stay with a tight end down the seam, or on, on, or maybe the tight end on those crossing routes. And I just don't know if athletically and size-wise he can he can do that. So we'll see where he goes. But yeah, I, I just don't think he's an ideal fit. Love the player, love the way what he does that on the football field. I just don't think he's an ideal fit for the Bears. Correct me if I'm wrong. He'll be in Indy next week. Yep. I uh, should be. I haven't seen the official list yet, but he should be in Indy. Yeah, yeah. I'd be I'll surprised. Was, yeah, I thought I saw him on there, but I could be wrong. Very good. All right, uh, Mr. Stopchinski, give us a name and we'll follow along. Yeah, we'll go right down the list. I'm going to go with uh, Andrew Stuber from Michigan. Um, Andrew Stuber checked in at uh, Senior Bowl at 6'6", 327. Length measurables of 10 and an eighth, 34 and an eighth arms, 81 and uh, you know th- uh, three quarters uh, wingspan. Uh, just big, long dude. Um, all America at Michigan, all Big Ten, academic all Big Ten. He was alternate team captain, so you know he was he's very highly regarded in that conference and amongst his peers. You know, I was, like I said, great size and length. He's uh, he's balanced, um, stout at the point of attack. You can pick him up and put him down in terms of his feet. Um, I didn't think he was necessarily special athletically, but he gets it done. 
you know, and, and the way that he gets it done is that he understands he's, he's instinctive and anticipative, anticipative, if that makes sense. He, he knows how to execute a variety of blocks. He can down block, he can zone, he understands angles, he understands leverage and positioning. He can combo, he can climb levels. Um, the Ohio State game I thought was particularly impressive in terms of all those things. The Iowa game was really good as well. But, uh, you know, some of the things that you saw at the Senior Bowl is that, uh, you know, he can easily play in size where they had him a lot of times. Um, extremely strong and consistent blocker. He shows excellent functional strength. You know, his, his upper body and his core at the point of attack is, uh, is, is pretty special, I think. And, you know, he drives his legs on contact. Um, he's been coached up really well. He understands the fundamentals of the game, mechanically and technically sound. Um, you know, his, his feet, he shows quickness. I like his base. He's, he's, he's not that, uh, he's not that prick that I talked about with the last guy, but, uh, he, he's a strong, tough dude. He competes and he battles. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that again, you know, he plays right tackle in Michigan. I think he moves inside and, and, and plays some guard. Uh, he's a guy that, that could definitely function in this offense, I believe. And, and I think he showed a lot at the senior bowl that he can do that. Film's really good. The, the Ohio State game, the, uh, the Iowa games are the one that are, are the two games I really focused on in terms of, uh, you know, going on kind of a deep dive with, with him. I like him a lot. I, I think he can, he can definitely be a bear, at least in terms of his mentality. He's got it. Good stuff. Shouldn't yeah, for, me, uh, for Stuver, I like the kid as well. I like, I like Michigan offensive linemen. I like Wisconsin offensive linemen. You know, I like guys that those are well coached guys that play hard and guys know how to how to get leverages and, and angles and all that stuff. But again, for me, when I saw him put, play right tackle, I'm like, this guy is, is speed deficient. He's gonna get he's gonna get burned on the outside. So that's why at the senior bowl, there was no surprise that they moved him inside and guard and play him in guard. Again, going back to going back to same thing with Ingram. I, th I think Ingram's even more athletic than Stuver. So if, I, if I'm having some problems seeing Ingram play in the wide zone and, and being able to you know maintain his blocks going laterally, I think I'm gonna have the same issues here with Stuver as well. However, you know we saw Larry Borm, you know uh, last year when after the draft we, we cut down some of his tape and he was a bigger, heavier dude and he's a guy that that you know lumbered. Uh, but then we, he you know, lost that about 40 pounds, came into camp and and next thing you know he's a guy that, that's moving better on his feet. Uh, so, you know, if something like that happens with Stuber, uh, you know, drop some of that, that bad access baggage and, and gets a little bit, you know, quicker, if you will, obviously he's not going to be, you know, super quick, but you know, just enough to be able to, because the one thing I want to see with my offensive lineman, especially if you're going to ask him to move east and west, is can you maintain your block? It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be like the, 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 the best, you know, in terms of technique and all that stuff, but can you maintain your, 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 your body in between that defender that you're assigned to and either the ball carrier or the quarterback, especially when you're asked to move, you know, laterally. So, uh, that's the one question mark I'll have about Stuber. I agree with with Neil. He's going to be an inside guard, and I think in the right position, uh, in the right system. I think this guy's a you know, a ten year veteran. Guys, let's uh, go to North Dakota State. Uh, both of you guys had this guy on your list. Uh, Danny's brought some tape along, so let us talk about, oh, about oh, so North Dakota, not North, North, North Dakota. Dakota. State. North yeah, Dakota. Yeah, I mean, what did, what did yeah. I say? North Dakota North State. State. Oh, I'm sorry. I get those confused. That's okay. You, you, had, you had Trey Lance on your mind from last year's uh, live draft. Exactly. So this is the guy that we talked about last week, guys, at, at the Senior Bowl. I think this is a guy, you know, his his measurables really caught my eye. It's 6'6", six, six, almost 6'7", six, 3'10", 35 and 1 eighth arm length. Right away, I'm looking at, at a left tackle. He's got the length. He's got the size. Now I want to see, does he have the athletic ability? You put on his tape and you see this kid. He's light on his feet, right? He's, he's a, you know, a guy, F, FCS second-team All-American. He's an athletic left tackle prospect, which I love to see, especially with that combination of that length. Um, you know, tremendous, you know, tremendous size there. You know, here I I, I can see his quickness. He got beat 
initially, if we run the play real quick there, he gets beat initially, but then shows me that he's got the enough quickness to be able to get back to the defender and then bury him, bury him and, and not allow the defender to go ahead and make a play on that on that ball carrier. So that to me shows recovery quickness, right? You know, because tackles, they can get beat, you know, inside or outside, but do you have the quickness to be able to recover and get your hands or get your body in position to at least be effective in terms of maintaining your, uh, your block there and not allowing that defender to make a, a play on the ball carrier or the quarterback. So that's something that stuck out to me as well with him. Moves easy in space. Uh, you'll see the guy's got the foot agility to play left tackle. Um, you know, you see his, his balance in terms of his, his stance. You know, he's able to get to a set spot, can uh, cut off the the, um, the angle that the edge defender is trying to get on him. So, you know, these are things that I, that I do like to see about him. Uh, I think this this, this might be the negative play that I that I put exactly. down on tape here. Yeah, yes. this is where where he's got to get stronger, right? His his play strength is not there. Here he gets blown backwards and, and knocked to his knees by a linebacker. So that tells me the guy has got to get in the weight room. He's more of a developmental left tackle, right? He's he's a guy that I'm not going to bring in next year. Be like, all right, you're starting here left tackle. You block him for Justin Fields. He's a guy I could bring in and day three possibly and just develop him, right? Get him coached up, you know, fix his technique. You know, he's already got the athletic ability. He's got the, the length you look for. Just get him a little bit stronger. And I think this guy's a potential starter in the future. Mm -hmm. Interesting uh, pick. Uh, Neil, you also had him on your list. Uh, why don't you take it away? Yeah, I mean, if, if you go back to that last play, you just see him drop in his, in his set, move his feet, lateral agility. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is about the past couple of years, his FCS offensive lineman just coming out. Mean, nasty, big, long, athletic. I, you know, it's turning into the it's turning into the division of off offensive linemen, guys. I don't know what's going on in the water, but uh, <laughs> you know, th this kid you talk about is measurable. Is a damn near six seven, just a shade under six seven, three hundred ten pounds, ten and an eighth hand, thirty five and an eighth arm, eighty five and uh, three quarter wingspan. You know, he was like I said, you know, last week. You know, he's he's one of my monster measurable guys coming into uh, coming into the Senior Bowl week. Um, he's got the, he's got the athletic ability is just raw. He's lighting on his feet. He's just raw. He can work at multiple levels, which is, you know, I saw in that same game that, that we have up there against Utah state, he works multiple levels. He's, he's got bounce to his step. He can run, um, has the mean, has the nasty, love the kid, man. Um, he, he was a guy I would definitely stretch to take in the third based on his rawness, but it could be molded quickly. Hopefully if he's the guy that, that's coachable, um, if he's a guy that can learn quick, he kind of reminds me of, of, you know, what I would imagine. Trevor Penning looked like two years ago, you know, mm. um, just lean, raw, but athletic and physical and, and nasty, um, you know, just <laughs> mold his kid like a lump of Play-Doh and, and make him what you want him to be because he can probably do it. He's another one of these these lower level school guys that come to the senior bowl in the first couple one practice second practice you see he's a little maybe a little off center there he doesn't feel like he maybe belongs but by that that third that third practice uh, you see him getting his confidence you see him now showing some of his abilities and and that's what I saw on tape with him at the, at the senior bowl it was like by day three you know he, you know one one on ones you know he was confident you know he was a guy that not mm -hmm. backing down from anybody you know he was utilizing that that length he was utilizing his quickness he, and it was one on ones he was able to able to mirror pass rushers so I think that really kind of showed there to him at least that, that you know what i can compete at this level and i belong here so i think that that killer got into the game yeah you know if i remember correctly a pretty solid game overall that i didn't remember any any huge mistakes from from him there but uh but i think that, again this is a guy for me you bring him in you develop him right he's a day three pick for me you get him stronger you, get, you fix his technique you coach him up and now you have a future starting left tackle yeah that that, that day three point you made is exactly why i say you hopefully he can be coached up quick because you know he went from day one to day three, and you saw the growth, you saw the development just by working with NFL coaches for 72 hours. You know, it, it, he's a pretty impressive kid. 
All right. Another guy that's impressive, I think, is uh, Cordell Volson uh, from North Dakota State University. Yeah. What do you got on staying, him, man? Staying along the, the, the theme of the FCS offensive linemen. Um, you know, again, these guys out of North Dakota, they, uh, they're, they're big, they're athletic, they're strong, they're physical, they're nasty. Cordell Volson um, is, is a guy that actually performed at the East-West Shrine game the, uh, the, the uh, uh, few days prior to uh, Senior Bowl. Um, came in at 6'6", 319, uh, 10 and a quarter hands, 33 and three quarter arms, 81 and a half wingspan. And, you know, he was a guy that also stayed the extra COVID-19 years. So he's been in college for six years. Um, this past year, he made six first-team All-America honors, um, three-time first-team All-America throughout the course of his career and All-Conference, um, playing 64 career games, which is a school record, believe it or not. And uh, out of those games, 40 starts. Has all the size. Started at both right guard and right tackle in his career. You know, I, I kind of liken him to the trash man. You know, he's always looking to pick up the extra work, pick up the extra garbage. Uh, you know, he's strong and tough. He can move his feet. Um against uh, Eastern Washington in, uh, you know, the 2021 spring playoffs. You know, he was a guy that, you know, he, he played right guard that year. He was a guy that I saw climb all three levels of defense during that game. You know, he hit the off, he hit the, the man across from him, work his way up to the linebackers, the second, you know, the second level and found himself some trash in the secondary as well. So, I mean, it, you know, the, the way the kid works goes by his business, pretty impressive. He always looks for the finish. You know, he's got violent shoves. He's got pancakes. He, he throws guys to the ground. You know, he's got the pedigree, he's got the play history, he's got the mentality. Again, not a guy that will characterize as being a special athlete, but he can move really well in space. And uh, as, as an inside guy, he'll be able to own his space and be able to work at all at, you know, all levels of, of uh, the defense where he needs to go. Love the kid. Good stuff. Uh, Danny, you had a chance to take a look at him? Yeah, Olsen, again, uh, he's a guy that, that's going to move inside. I agree with Neil, and, and he brings that, that tenacity, that, that, that nastiness you want in your in offensive lineman. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that is a, is a, when I put him on tape, he, he's a people mover. He, he moves people, you know, he keeps his feet moving, churning and, and gets guys off their spots. And that's what you want to see. And, and, uh, you know, um, athletically, I, again, I, I'm going to have to question athletically, does he fit this scheme? But, but he's a guy that, that, you know, uh, as opposed to the other guys, Stuber, um, that I think could, you know, eventually be, you know, coached up a little bit better and, and be a, a potential option inside a, a guard for, for the Bears. So, yeah, but uh, again, another guy that's, that's, a, that's a day three guy that that's going to probably play a long time in the NFL just because of that, you know, he plays with that passion, that tenacity that, that, that you like seeing offensive linemen. Um, and this guy, this guy gets some coaching. He's, he's going to be a, a long time, you know, NFL guy. What do you think? Rousey projected. He's, yeah. he's, he's probably early around uh, early day three right now. Okay. Yeah, he's at that that day three round, fourth, fifth round, somewhat there. Yep. Yeah, he he would he would probably be around for us to snag him with two of those early early round five picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, uh, in terms of depth for this offensive line, th- this isn't the bad draft, is it? And for interior, uh, for interior guys, it's it's not. I mean, you you can get guys in the in, in day three that they can probably plug inside. Uh, guys, guys that are either guards in in college or guys that are uh, are tackles on the outside and, and probably get move inside to to guard at the next level. So I think there is, is going to be solid. I, I think I think the 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 left tackles are, are more top heavy. So you're going to see like what five, maybe four or five going the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you, you know that's a little top heavy there. But then once you get into the Third, you know, day three, you're, you're going to be kind of, you know, projecting guys here and, and, and just kind of you know, taking guys off of their, you know, their uh, size and their inner and their length and just kind of hoping them them to develop and coach them up into into starting left tackle. So, but that, that the cream of the left tackle is going to probably go in the first or second round. 
but the interior guys, you're going to find starters in, in late day three. All right. Let's go to Wyoming and talk about Chad Amuma. Yeah, this this is a kid that, that got a lot of love after the Senior Bowl, and uh, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people were talking about this guy possibly being at, at you know top at pick thirty nine for the Bears. Uh, so I mean, I, I put him on, and, and and you know, initially I was like, I was like, all right. I mean, I, I'm I don't hate the kid, but I don't think he's a top fifty player for me right now. So you know, the thing about him is, you know, solid size of 6'2", 241, 32 and three eighth arm length. You know, he's an athletic off the ball linebacker who's solid in space and in coverage. Okay. Um, what you're going to put on this tape, you're going to see it at that thought about his ability to go ahead and, and with those loose hips, be able to stop, start, he can drop those hips, change direction, uh, fluid mover in space, high motor, high effort guy, you know, always flowing to the football. So in terms of a fit for the scheme, this is it. You know, he plays hard, plays fast. He's, he's not physical though. Now that's the thing for me is he's not a physical linebacker. Um, he's a sideline and sideline tackling machine. You know, I'm talking about, about Jackson. We talked about is he's not a sideline and sideline guy. This guy is right. But he, for me, he he lacks the 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 instincts to be a, a, a day one starter, right? So I, at that pick 39, I'm looking for a day one starter, a guy that can come in and, and flourish in this system. And I just think he right now, I haven't gone through all my grades yet and, and grade all the players, but I think he's he's edge top 100, right? So so there's no way I'm taking this guy at pick 39. But the, all the rave after this that the Senior Bowl was because you know was was that he's a he's a viable option at 39. I say no, he's not. Uh, for me, you know, again, I like his athletic ability. He's very good in coverage, you know, especially dropping back in zone. He can attack anything downhill. You see here, he, he covers a, a back out of the backfield on that wheel route, stays in phase, in coverage with, with the player. So you, you see his athletic ability. He's an athletic linebacker. But he's in, in terms of, you know, being a, a guy at the line of scrimmage that, that brings that physicality, that, that has a presence, he doesn't give you that, right? It doesn't give you anything in terms of pass rush, right? You, when you, you line up off the edge as an edge rusher, He's okay. He doesn't give you anything in terms of a, as a guy that can bring some heat off the edge. Blitzing, you you see him get get stoned by one blocker in the middle in the middle of that offensive line. So again, not a guy that gives you much there in terms of a pass rush. So he's very limited right now. Just an athletic, off the ball coverage type of linebacker. And for that, I do not use a top fifty pick on him. Yeah, this is this is the one play here. Uh, it's. Where is it? Uh, I think this is it here. This is the negative play where you had him coming in and he uh, gives up a big run. Yeah, so he tries to dip inside. So he doesn't take – I think that was, a, that was a receiver there trying to block him there at, at the edge. It might be in a tight end. Doesn't doesn't come up. It doesn't stone him at, at the line of scrimmage, stack him, and then shed him and make a play. He tries to dip his shoulder and go around the blocker. Um, and, and that's what he does, does against the bigger body guys too. He sees those big body guys come up, ducks underneath and try goes around them, tries to slip those blocks. But this is a tight end or a receiver. I, I couldn't catch the number. But you got to you got to come up there. You got to you got to stone this guy at the line of scrimmage. You got to hold your, your hold your stuff firm there. Stack, shed, find a ball carrier, and get the football player. Instead, he tries to dip, gets out of position, creates a wide open lane for the ball carrier. Big time run. I don't like that play. And man, this was a positive play. Uh... Right. So this is him dropping back in coverage. Anything underneath, you see him there reading reading that that uh, that screen coming out of the backfield. That's a good job of recognizing what's going on there. And now he's kind of baiting that quarterback to throw that football to that, to that running back, throws it, and now he tacks downfield. Now you see his athletic ability and his ability to go ahead and wrap up and tackle in the open field. The guy's got some positive traits. I'm not saying he's, he's, a, he's a not a non-starter for me. I'm just saying that right now at pick 39, which is what everyone was talking about, he's not a guy that I could see him being there and being someone that's going to contribute to me right away as a starter next year. I think he needs some time to develop. So if you're talking about pick 71, maybe, maybe even you know later in that, that that's that's fine you need an athletic linebacker uh but i bet that pick 39 that's too rich for my blood for this kid right now 
Yep. J2K says he's a little late to the show, but he's going to leave us because he's going to start the show all over. So, J2K, you're going to love the start of the show where I'm on camera all by myself for about 30 seconds. (laughs) The highlight of the show. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Great stuff. Um, Let's see. Uh, I got one more piece of tape here that uh, Danny submitted. I believe it's one more. Uh, Nicholas Petit. I can't pronounce that name. It's French. I'm not good with Petit Ferrier, right? Am I right there, uh, Neil? Petit Ferrier. Uh, you, you got me on that one. I haven't watched a whole okay. lot of Ohio State this well, year. Well, this guy, this guy is is a player. That's all. Yes. That's all I can tell you. I I, I love this guy. A consensus five star recruit, uh, basketball background. Um, uh, started at both left and right tackle for Ohio State. Uh, the thing about him is, you know, is is about six four, three fifteen. So his his height isn't ideal, but I I, I think that's something that we can kind of uh, cement after the, after the combine when we get the actual measurables on him. But, you know, good athletic ability, active body with that athletic frame, uh, lateral agility to to move east and west. We talked about guys that can maintain our blocks going east and west. This guy does that. You know, you see some of that basketball background, the, you know, the athlete and some of the way he, he springs out of his, his stance, gets to that next level and gets to that second level uh, run fit and be, is able to, you know, be a, be a presence there at that next level. So love some of that. I love the way he uses his hands. Uh, once he locks up the defender's chest plate, the guy is, he stones walls his, his pass rusher. I think that that's a key there as well. Um, can get can get inside leverage uh, on a defender on an inside defensive lineman, and then use his feet to go ahead and move the guy backwards. So you know he's not a guy that's going to be thought of right away as a power blocker. But once he gets his leverage, he he knows how to get get that body weight into it and move a guy off off his spot. Um, you know, very good again, very good zone blocker, very good blocker in space. Uh, you know, quick out of his stand. We, we'll, we'll see some of that here in, in these highlights. Um, you know, and then I can, can flip his hips, get get into that into the uh, the gap there, and seal off any sort of backside pursuit on those out you know this outside zone stretch runs. So that's key for left tackles here in this system is is get those hips flipped, seal off any sort of backside or rusher coming down down the line there as your running backs trying to stretch that run out to the outside and find that lane and cut up and get into the next level. So I think this is a guy athletically fits a left tackle spot. I think he's a guy that, that, you know, technique wise, there's some things he can clean up. His footwork can get a little sloppy. I still want to see all of his measurables. I just want to make sure he, you know, height wise, he's about six, four, I think uh, lengthwise. We'll see as he looks on tape, looks like he has, you know, solid in terms of arm length. We'll see how that comes out at the combine, but athletically you talk about a guy that can come in and, and develop into a, a future starting left tackle. This guy definitely is it. So this guy, we talked about earlier in the show. There's two guys that I uh, right now have earmarked uh, are the guys that I've scouted, you know, in tonight's show. I've earmarked for pick 39. It's either David Bell, the receiver from Purdue, or this kid here at, at left tackle. The, and Danny, this is the play that he gets beat on that first step. Uh, so take us through your analysis. Right. We talked about well, let's we talked about recovery quickness, right? Here you see he got to get beat on the, on the outside, be able to go ahead and, and recover. I no, I think that was that was a different one. There was one where he got he got beat on the inside leg. And then there he goes. Actually, I'm sorry, there's the one. So here, so he opens up his, his hip, his inside leg a little bit there. But the and then the, the defensive end does a nice spin move to go, go out to his outside, but he's able to go ahead and not because he overset, not be able to just lose that battle, get back into position and be able to maintain his hips himself between his quarterback and the defender. And that's what I want to see on tip, guys. I want to see these guys can they maintain themselves between a defender and that quarterback or the ball carrier? And I think that recovery quickness is something you need at left tackle. I nail. I know you didn't see a lot of Ohio State, but what you just saw there, I, I, I was impressed. Were you? 
No, I mean, I didn't watch any, a whole lot on TV, so I couldn't hear the yeah. audible of how they pronounce that name. Oh, I'm sorry. Tape on, on, the, on these guys. Love okay. that kid. I just don't know if he's going to be available. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like he has a better chance of going, you know, in the first round than Zion does. Mm-hmm. If either he or Zion are available at 39, one of those guys, let's, let's go ahead and snag him. Mm-hmm. Big, athletic, strong, physical. I mean, yep. the, the feet on that kid. It's, it's kind of like what I was talking about with with, uh, with Let's Go. You, you, you watch the, the kid's feet, little pitter-patter feet. That's what mm-hmm. you want, man. Right. Athletically, the, the way he springs out into that next level, that, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cliff Victoria says that Alex Kappa for offensive guard signing will be a big improvement. Danny and I saw him down at the Senior Bowl. Big six foot seven uh, guy, I think from Humboldt to state or some uh, uh, small school. Uh, but he's a huge man with long blonde hair. Uh, we've been kind of following his career, and he's played fairly well with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I wouldn't say he's a huge uh, improvement at that guard position, but uh, if he comes at the right price, he might be a better bargain than a James Daniels, who right now a lot of people are suspecting he's going to get around $10 million, maybe more. No because he's such a young player and ascending. I mean, he's only 24 years old, Neil. So that's one of the attractive things about him. But we'll see. But then, but then, I mean, I know you guys scoff scoff at that that uh, that price range, but that's a going rate for for starting center, starting guards. I mean, what do you guys expect? I mean, Alex Kappa. I don't was he even a starter with the Buccaneers. I, I remember Ali Marpet is is an inside guard, and I, I know Ryan Jensen's a center. I, I just don't don't remember if Kappa was a starter or not. But yep. Kappa is a starter. Is a starter. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, but the thing is, like, a 24-year-old uh, James Daniels, guy that can – I think his best position is center. I think he was done wrong by moving him from left guard to center to the right guard. I think you keep him at, at, at one position, whether it's guard or center. I think he's a guy that, that can be a, a long-term starter for you. You know, I, you know guys want to rag on this guy, but he's a second-round pick, tw- just 24 years old. And, again, you, you, Ryan Pulse, that he's, he's paying guys based off of what they're going to give you in the future, not of what they've done already, right? So so I, I think, you know, if Daniels goes at $10 million, again, it, it could go crazy. It could go at $15 million. Now I'm talking about a little bit too much money. But right. for me, I think I signed him at $10 million. It's reasonable for a starting offensive lineman. And, I, like, I, guys, I've said it before. I put him at center. I just let him be there and, and let him be your starting center. Yeah. And then w- with the new TV contract that's going to hit the, the salary cap for 2023, these $10, $12 million contracts for a guy like nothing. James Daniels as a guard or center is nothing. nothing. We're going to see an explosion of salaries because this new TV contract is a big bonanza for players and stuff. So, you know, it, it's just like we've seen in the past. We saw Jay Cutler's contract. Everybody was criticizing Jay Cutler's contract. A couple of years later, he was probably in the mid-tier uh, uh, of paid quarterbacks. It's just going to evolve and explode. So I wouldn't worry too much about paying $10, 11000000 million for James Daniels if you think he can turn into that upper echelon uh, player because he's so young and he's got some nice experience behind him. We'll right, that's the key is, is what does this coaching staff think? They, they view this tape, you know, how do they envision him in their system? Do they see him at center? Do they see him at guard? And now you got to put a value on him. Do, do you want to go and get into a bidding war to keep him? Do you want to let just let him go and think you can replace him? Remember, you guys only have five draft picks. You have limited cap space. Uh, you know, Aldo made a great point. You can always, you know, backload those contracts and you know start them off with, with a lower salary in the first couple of years. And once that that big you know, number kicks in for the salary cap, then you can escalate their their salaries a little bit higher than you know to kind of make up for what they gave up in the first couple of years of a contract. So there's always ways to to, to work it to you know to wiggle those, those contract numbers. So I wouldn't worry about that. I, I would just I just worried about a 24 year old 
guy who, who probably can be a starting center for, for your offensive line for the next 10 years, just walking away because, you know, he, you know, you guys remember a couple of bad games in a, in a bad offensive system the last couple of years. Great of bad games. He spent almost as much time in the backfield as David Montgomery. Jesus Christ. <laughs> about bad games. I mean, but I mean, how many the times do you see him making, making better blocks downfield? It's like we always highlight the bad plays, but we never highlight the, the, the good plays, the good blocks he does. Remember, remember, he got hurt last year. Was it three or four games into the season? Torres Peck muscle. He was yes. playing damn well uh, at left guard last year before he got injured. So that's another thing with, with Daniels. If you want to knock him for not being always available and, and, and kind of being, you know, um, a little bit injury prone, if you will. I mean, this past year he had, he had, a, he had a solid season, so I think yeah, he had some bad plays. But I mean, guys, can we really knock these players uh, or entirely right based on what they came from in terms of coaching staff? I mean, look, his offensive line coach, the great Juan Castillo, was hired as a tight ends coach by Washington. So if he's a great offensive line coach, why the hell is he a tight ends coach for Washington? So you know, again, I, I question Mike Fury. Hey guys, he's still jobless. That's a lot of shocker. Mike Fury is not out there, doesn't have a job yet. So again, some Fury. of the, the great Mike Fury still out there without a job. No, no freaking receiver ever got better under his watch. Period. Done. So I, that's the thing. Is like, it's like, do I really kind of you know put James Allen as a, as a total bust because of the fact that I saw a couple couple of bad times he got knocked back in the backfield. Cody Whitehair got knocked back in his ass back in the backfield a couple more times. He's still you get no one's calling for him to get cut and, and released. You know, so I, I just think that that James Daniels is a guy that, that got a ton of potential, a ton of talent. I just would not give up on him so quick. This you know, thing, uh Mike Furry has been hired. He's a uh, uh, picking up tiles over at Gold's Gym. Hey, <laughs> you know, you know what would drive me crazy though is that if I'm the if I'm the outfit like the Bears that have spent that have spent so much time trying to develop the kid. That's you know, I, I I can understand the argument where, like I, I put all this time, all these resources, you know, all these expectations in, into a kid that that has a size, has the trunk, has the speed, has the athleticism, and and you just let him go. That that would kind of chat my ass too. But at the same time, it, it's hard for me as just you know kind of being outside the four walls, seeing the the empirical data, see the body of work I've seen so far, and feel like it's okay to just you know blow a ton of money on on that body of work, but. You know, I, I, I understand he's he's not a finished product. And, you know, if, if you look at him, some, some of these other guys that I have on my list, I'd probably take him over some of these other guys. He's further along on, on in the developmental process. You know, don't waste a draft pick on a guy. You know, I, I guess I could go either way with it. I, I'm kind of sitting on the fence. So my thing is, is I think he's been playing out of position. That's my 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 thing is like he, he was put into a, a guard. I think his, his natural position is center. I think if you put him there, coach him up, um, I think that's where he, this guy would, could, could flourish, right? So, I, I for me, when I, when I watch him play, like you know, his body worked last four years, and I've seen more good plays than, than bad plays. No, no doubt that I've seen bad plays, but I've seen more good plays overall in, in that four year body work than I've seen bad plays from, from James Daniels. All right, uh, Neil submitted a list of a few players uh, that he wants to touch on quickly. Neil, any of them safeties? Because Hair Bear has been in the chat room. He says, please talk about a safety. Please talk about a safety. And if we don't have one for this week's show, we'll definitely have one for the next one, Hair Bear. I gave you one last week, Jalen yeah. Petrie from Beeler. Yeah. Last week, yeah. Uh, I've, I've got plenty of safeties for next week's show. That's what I, I, I want to focus on safeties maybe a linebacker or two wide receivers that could fall to uh, that 70 pick, that 71st pick. Um, you know, think about it is guys, you know, there's, there, there's thought that Dax Hill could fall to 39. Now, if Dax Hill falls to 39. I, I love that kid. Yeah, uh, but you know, is, is safety that dire of a need? 
to, yes. to pick 39. When, when you when you have when you have limited amount of draft capital, when you have a, a, a crying need at offensive line, a crying need at receiver, you come argue a crying need at defensive line. You know, you don't like, have anybody well, else in the room right now, Danny. There's no say, there, Eddie Jackson's the only can, one. He's can, barely you can a get guys. You can get you can get guys off a, a one year contract. A, a J. Ron Curse from from Dallas, a one year contract guy. You can get you got guys come in and and give you some some you know maybe guys in the second or third round. But at pick thirty nine, just because of I, I have limited amount of, of picks right now. I, I, I just, I value those damn picks, especially the ones in the top 100 and I cannot miss with those guys. Right. And, and Dax Hill is, is, is a good player. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I'm just saying, is, is that, you know, the, the third level of your defense, is that a higher priority for you than, than the first level of the offensive line or, or the first level of your defense in, in terms of defensive line? For me, I, I value those guys better. And then we talk about receiver, right? Receiver is a position. You only have one receiver, a veteran receiver sign. You have two young guys on, on the roster. So, it's like that's a position that I, I would if you don't attack that in free agency, you gotta attack it in, in, in the draft. And, and that's that's where I kind of put that position value a little higher. Plus the guys that I think are gonna be at that position might be higher than than Dax Hill in terms of overall grade. So we'll we'll see how, how, how it shakes and plays out. I just I just find it hard to, to use a, a, a second round pick on a safety that when I have so many other needs, right? You, know, you, you just that, argued for wide receiver for the same reason I'm arguing for safety. Yeah, but but you don't have receiver, safety on the roster right now. You have the Eddie Jackson on, on your roster, oh, yeah. and, and I know I know you you've had issues with Eddie Jackson. That's fine, but you know it's a, it's a new staff, it's a new defense. This guy was a Pro Bowl, was an All Pro safety. We just got to hope that they they bring that out of him. So I mean, we had Tayshawn Gibson starting for the last couple of years, and everyone was okay with Tayshawn Gibson starting. So another guy, uh, just, just throwing it out there, just throwing it out there. Not not saying it's going to happen, but there's rumors that Adrian Amos might get cut by the Packers just because of the salary cap stuff. They have to clear some salary cap. So if Adrian Amos gets cut, you know, I'm saying you can find veteran guys safeties for a one-year deal, like a Tayshawn Gibson, that guys that can be stop gaps, they can they can come in a plug in there and let them play there instead of using that that value, you know, 39th pick on a, on a guy that that could develop into a, a safety along uh, alongside Eddie Jackson. Not knocking the player, just knocking the position value. All right, we'll take us through some of these players that you've identified. Um, Zach Tom, for instance, Max Mitchell, a couple of other guys. You can find a wide receiver for a one-year deal, too. About, I digress. Um, <laughs> How no, about so like, Thomas, uh, day three safety? You can bring him from yeah, Tech. He's not a day three safety. You can get him at 71. He's going to be a well, and I, I think he'll go – he might go might go third round, but I, I think he's probably more third, fourth round that edge there. I but that's a guy Andy later Thomas. on – Wanya Thomas, right? You can get him later on in the draft. I'm sorry, let me cut yeah, off. Yeah, I love I love Wanya Thomas. That's another guy I want to talk about next time. I want to talk about Wanya. I want to talk about Dax because I think Dax could fall. Um, Wanya is a dude that you know the kid out of Georgia Tech that had the great you know first half of, of the the East West Bowl. We're going to talk about him next time. Um, some of the guys I talked about from East West and Senior Bowl last week, I went on a deeper dive in talking about a guy like Zach Tom from Wake Forest. You know, Zach Tom, it, you know, was a guy that started at, uh, at left tackle. He started at center, had a really good east-west game. I talked about that one play in the second half, the long explosion play that went for a touchdown where, you know, he, he was further along down the field than the damn running back was. Um, the, the kid works his ass off. He's smart. Uh, you know, he's a guy that uh, ha that does give you some position versatility. Um, you know, the interesting thing about him is is that uh, – where, where's my notes at? He, he's a guy that um, – you know, three uh, three thousand one hundred seven snaps over the course of his career, two sacks given up. You know, you talk about you know position specific efficiency and production right there. That's it, pretty impressive. You know that the kid just works his ass off. He he will get beat. He he gets pushed around a little bit. He's not the most that's the strongest 
you know, most powerful, biggest prick, you know, meanest, nastiest dude out there. But he does have a lot of athleticism. He can move his feet. He's a little bit more of a developmental guy in that sense. Um, you know, he the way that he wins is, is with the use of his technique and his leverage. But when it comes to power and strength, he struggles. And so he's a weight room developmental guy. He's a guy that's probably going to go day three. He's got excellent length measurables. You know, I talk about these guys. They have to have length if they're playing, you know, on, on our offensive line, 10 and an eighth hands, 33 and a quarter arms, uh, almost 80 inch wingspan, you know, for a guy that's just under 6'4", just under 300, you know, pounds. Um, but, you know, he was a guy that we talked, you know, pretty high, that we were pretty high on the last time we talked about the all-star game stuff. Just figured to do a little bit deeper of a dive on him. And, uh, you know, he's a guy of, of all the guys that we talked about that we haven't talked about yet is in terms of doing deeper dives on that thought was that thought had the most interesting, you know, set of of uh, athletic traits. Um, a couple of these other guys, Max Mitchell from Louisiana, who played right tackle, um, is, is a guy who's going to move inside the guard, has some interesting tape. Probably a guy that that, again, you know, he's a you know fifth, sixth round guy might fit for the Bears, might not. He's, he's a question mark, a little more developmental guy. Dylan Parham, a, a kid from Memphis. That's uh, kind of like a win lose guy. He's the inconsistent champion. I kind of I kind of call him because sometimes he'll look great, take on a powerful block, and uh, other times just look like he doesn't have any shit to him. So um, the thing about Dylan Parham, though, is, you know, as a 313 pound kid um, with fifty starts, I talk about play you know play history all the time. He's got fifty starts at right guard and right and uh, right, right tackle at Memphis, an All ACC type of kid, incredible length for for the, the size that he brings in in terms of height, ten and a quarter hands. 33 and a half uh, arms, 80 and three ace wingspan. Um, and, and, and in terms of those specific things, that will allow him to win at the next level. But again, you're talking about a guy that's, that's a win some, lose some, spends a lot of time in the backfield, at time lacks functional strength at the point of attack, can't get driven back easily, will typically take him a good four or five yards to sit down and gain control, right? Um, other times he can get some good leverage, control his space. I mean, we're talking about a guy that has a natural leverage. You know, he's got enough strength, just a matter of probably – getting, you know, his, his technique down and uh, developing a little bit more in the weight room. But, you know, there was like a Neil Farrell rep. He's going as Neil Farrell from LSU, who is defensive lineman of the week from, uh, you know, the, one of those teams. You know, pretty awesome example of, you know, catching inside leverage with his hands, sitting down, allowing his truck to do the work, controlling the rush. But, uh, you know, the thing about him is, is he's going to go late because he's a one-trick pony. He's an offensive center only. And, uh, you know, with moderate strength and power, again, he's going to have to develop in the weight room. Interesting kid from an athleticism standpoint, though. We talk about guys that can move, that can get to the second level. Um, he, he's a guy. Um, Kenyon Green from Texas A&M is an interesting case to me. Kenyon Green is a guy that was talked about as being probably a definite round one guy. But when you turn on the film, I don't necessarily see that. I see a guy that does have the great measurables at and a supposed 6'4", 325. A guy that was 2021 AP first team All-America from you know, sporting news and Walter camp and like all the, all the publications and all that ACC and AP and coaches and everything else. Team captain has the leadership started 12 games, you know, that Pat last season at four different positions. Right. So in terms of position versatility, he brings that sort of intangible played right guard, right tackle, left guard, left tackle last year for Texas A&M 35 total stars in his career. He's got light and nimble feet. He operates very well in space. He can run downfield. Uh, but, you know, the things I don't like about him is you don't often see him attack the defender. He doesn't get a great initial push or punch. Plays kind of high. Not great with his hand placement. You know, he has a tendency to struggle to stay on 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 blocks a lot of times. He lacks the mean streak and the nasty, the things that I love. 
And maybe that's why I drop him down a little bit. I don't know. But you love his athletic traits. His physical traits to me are a little bit more on the average side. But you love what he does athletically. The way that he can move about the field, make it to the second level, uh, you know, shift his body. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think with, you know, the appropriate coaching could end up being a pretty big time dude. And it lends you that position versatility that we love. Um, he might be a guy that I think could be available in second, third round for us if we like him enough. And like, like I said, he has some intangibles. He has the athletic traits. He needs just a little bit more, you know, molding of the play though for him to be a, a guy that, that fits really well. But again, like I knocked him down initially, didn't put him on my, on my list initially because I didn't like the way that he necessarily played from like a demeanor standpoint. But, uh, you know, I went back and watched him again. The kid's interesting comparatively to, you know, some of the other guys that we talked about. Yeah, on, on those on those guys, yeah, I mean, Max Mitchell from Louisiana, I, I was I was watching the uh, DeMarco Jackson tape, Appalachian State versus Louisiana, and, and, and Max Mitchell was right, starting a right tackle. A uh, little, little light, I, I think he's a guy that you're right, going to be kicked inside, but that's a guy we talked about, right, moving, you know, laterally, he's got the, you know, the quickness mm-hmm. to be able to do that. I think uh, you know moving him inside, getting him a little bit stronger. I think that could be uh, a guard there too as well. So Max Mitchell is a guy that intrigues me. And, and you hit on Dylan Parham, again, uh, guy was super impressive, super competitive down at, at the Senior Bowl. I like that, I like seeing that. Uh, but yeah, I think he's a center uh, all day. So I think we'll, we'll see what happens there. So yeah, of those guys, I think I think Max Mitchell and, and Dylan Parham really kind of caught my eye as well in terms of you know their tape and also their their play or participation down down in Mobile in the Senior Bowl. So. Um, I, I think all those back there in the background. I, I just want—I want to find you a safety, Neil. I want—I want to find you a veteran safety so that we don't use this 39th pick on on a safety. Um, so here, here are I'm some veteran safety. Not saying we use a 39th pick on a safety. I want to use. You just said Dax Hill. If if, if he, Dax I'm Hill saying if he's there, you got to think about it, kid. Okay, here uh, I'll, I'll get you a veteran safety. Right, I'm here. Do you like uh, here? You like Quandre Diggs from Seattle? You you want him? The guy made a Pro Bowl a couple of years. Might cost you some money. But he's a guy that can, that can, is, is you know not big in, in terms of stature, but definitely a guy that, that is, a, is a sure tackler in, in the open field. Uh, I think he's a guy that you can be very intrigued, you know, playing him next to uh, next someone like Eddie Jackson. So so uh, Quandre Diggs from Seattle is, is out there. Um, I like this Jordan Whitehead from Tampa Bay. Uh, again, uh, he's not a, a guy that gives you much in coverage, but man, talk about an open field tackler, a guy that guy that can bring the hammer, a guy that can be a, a, a guy that can bring him. The physical presence that, that we, we keep asking Eddie Jackson to be, I think Jordan Whitehead could, could do that for you from Tampa Bay. I want a strong safety to be that. I just want Eddie Jackson to make a damn tackle. That's all I need him to do. Just put right, his arms right. around somebody, bring him to the ground. So I can get 80-yard touchdowns. I got some more players for you here. here let's see who else I, I kind of pinned out here for you. Justin Reed, the, the guy from the, from the Texans, only 25 years old, coming, you know, second-round pick out of uh, out of uh, uh, Stanford, I believe. So he's a guy that, that that's you know, pretty impressive in terms of you put on his tape. I talk about J. Ron Curse. Uh, the, the guy from formerly from Clemson was that was a was I think a third round or fourth round pick for the Vikings. Really kind of was only a special teams guy there. Ran last year to to the Cowboys and had a hell. Of, I think had over 100 tackles uh, p- playing that 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 safety position for Dallas. So you know, we'll talk about a guy that can come in and and, and probably be a, a nice strong safety opposite of Eddie Jackson. There's there's a, there's a bunch of guys that can go out there and you can you can probably bring it for for one year two year contract. Uh, some of the guys I just brought up, you know, those guys are are, are big time like. Quantity digs and, and some of these guys are going to get long-term deals. So it, it, help, it depends on how much you want to invest in your safety. But I just, and we talked about, you know, day three, some a couple of guys talked about last week was Jalen Petrie from, uh, from Baylor and then Wanya Thomas from Georgia tech. You know, those are the kind of guys you can get in the third or f- fourth, fifth round. So that, that's why I, I just, again, not again, nothing against Dax Hill, fine player, um, you know, pretty good tackler. I just, I just, that pick 39 has got to be, like we said earlier, it's got to be an offensive lineman or receiver. It's got to be someone's going to come in at a position of need and make an impact last year. I think those guys 
that position. Um, there, there's going to be plenty of guys graded high enough to, to be, you know, worthy of, of that pick 39, in my opinion. The pick so. 39, if, uh, you know, Petit Freer or Zion yeah. Johnson are available and we take a wide receiver, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, well, what if it's Chris Olave or, or one, of the, one of the guys from, you know, we expected one I'm first one. I'm going to lose my mind. Well, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think offensive line is going to be a, a huge need. Now, all those made a great point earlier. we got to see what happens for agency. You know, they're going to attack one or other, or both maybe, in free agency. So we'll see. We haven't even touched on defensive line, guys. You know, there's so many question marks on defensive line. You know, they're going to a 4-3 front. You know, is Bilal Nichols uh, the guy they envision playing that, that you know, three-technique? That's a very, very important position in this defensive front. We cannot overlook that. Think Tommy Harris back in the Levy Smith days, you know, uh, you know, uh, Tank Johnson, you know, guys like that, you know, a Warren Sapp back in the, in, the, in the heyday of the Buccaneers. You know, those are the kind of players at that three technique that, that you're looking for in this defense. And, and you know, you, don't, you know, if Ball Nichols doesn't do it, you know, I think he can. I think he can be a contributor. I don't know how, how well he'll be in, in that position, but, you know, this coaching staff is going to have to find someone to play that three technique. Like I said, a premium dominant position on, on, on this defensive front. Super hard to project D-line right now to even mm-hmm. think about, where that might fall in the draft for us. Yeah. Super hard. Until that kind of like settles a little bit, the dust on that settles a little bit. It's 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 really hard to 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 think about where we could take a guy, where we need a guy, how high up we need to go to get a guy. You know, who knows? Maybe 39 is up being spent on a three technique. Who knows? Yeah, and, I mean, and then the guy I I, I earmark right now is, is Devontae Wyatt, if he's even there. If he even makes it 39. I love that yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, actually talked about very early in our show uh as a guy that, that was the question. If he's available at 39, would you guys grab him? I, I think it's a consensus here. I mean, a lot that depends on free agency uh, right. and what the needs are, but the, he would be, a, I think, a steal at 39, mm-hmm. given the importance of that position under uh, this new defense. That's the thing. It's like, it's like you have to address left tackle, whether it's – it's and, and I prefer – honestly, I prefer they go and, and, and sign someone in free agency, sign a veteran. I, it doesn't have to be the big Teron Armstead signing or, or you know, maybe a Dwayne Brown, the, the guy from Seattle. It could be a, come in and be a two-year vet stopgap. And then you can get a guy like, well, let's go in the fourth round or in the fifth round if he drops to you. And you can bring him in. You can develop him behind a Dwayne Brown. And by the time Brown is done with a year or two, you can plug, well, let's go in there. Or, or maybe maybe Borum. Maybe Borum can develop into a left tackle prospect for you uh, and you feel comfortable and coach him up. You know, and then, and then he could be here. But, but you got to get that position – solidified you got to get whether it's it's and i hope i hope it's a veteran i hope they bring in a veteran and, and, he, and they plug that position up and that that you know they go from there uh but you know you got to attack these 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 needs obviously both in free agency and, and in the draft but um if, if say they they address left tackle in in, in the draft and they, and they sign a couple receivers in in free agency uh, and i feel you know you know you feel a little better about that position then you can start looking at person like corner safety you know, linebackers maybe. You know, then you know we then we can kind of move on in terms of other positions. But the left tackle, you know, receiver are are, are just two primary needs right now. Just, just crying needs on this on this team. In terms of corner, I actually wouldn't be too upset about next year going in with, you know, Johnson, Graham, Bill Dorth, and Nickel. Would not be upset about that, especially if Graham develops like he did towards the tail end of the year with all with the uh the, his time on the field. He grew pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And this year, I, I like a full offseason of development. We didn't have that last. We didn't have a full offseason of development last year, which I think killed a lot of these guys. To be honest with you guys, I think it killed a lot of these guys' development. Not you know just because of all the COVID garbage, not being able to have like a normal training camp, not having the normal OTAs, 
the, the offseason voluntary work, uh, you know, all the other, you know, stuff. I, I you know, with, with a full season of normal offseason stuff, I said a full offseason of normal, you know, scheduled workouts and development and training and program. I, I, I feel pretty good about those three guys right there. I don't know about you guys. What do you think? I like all three guys. I, I'm a big fan of, of Graham, big fan of John Johnson. I, I, I still have hope and in, 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 uh, that Vildor will develop into a nice, uh, at least a slot cornerback or, or, or a backup. But I, I would like another outside cornerback. I would like a guy, you know, um, maybe a Stefan Gilmore, you know, you know, someone like that, someone that, that can come in and, and, and you, you can feel comfortable that you're going to have a, a nice, you know, cornerback compliment to Jalen Johnson. Uh, on the outside, and then and then from there you can kind of you know kind of work those guys in as, as backups, and, and then eventually maybe slot corner and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, I definitely would would, would prefer uh, a veteran, a, a guy that can that I can count on, rely on. Uh, but again, we're talking about money, right? We're talking about spending that free agent money. Now you got to create some salary cap and all that stuff. So we'll see how it plays out. But mm-hmm. obviously, you can't go sign everybody. You only have five draft picks, so that that's going to be some some you know it might take two off seasons in order for Ryan Poles to, to kind of you know fix all these all these spots so you might have to go and pick and be like you know real picky in terms of bringing just some veterans just to kind of you know fill in areas for for a year there until you get some more draft capital so maybe some more some more free agency money to be able to go and get some you know, uh, bigger names or, or premier players at those at those big positions because there's a lot of holes um just not enough salary cap and not enough uh draft capital to to you know get them all filled we cannot fall into the trap of being pissed off going in with the roster personnel we're going to end up with in 2022. Mm-hmm. All, all, all the fans out there, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I talked about uh, tempering our, our excitement, you know, a year ago and in terms of all the quarterback stuff, you know, in, in terms of this roster, it, it, it it's going to be a little rough around the edges, guys. It's, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to take a couple years to figure out because mm-hmm. of, of the, the, the mess that Pace left behind. I agree. That's why the, the the clamor for Devontae Adams and the clamor for Chris Godwin and, and, and these these high ticket guys is like it's that's not realistic. You're, you're not there yet. You know, you're not a Devontae mm-hmm. Adams away from winning a Super Bowl. You know, you you obviously would like a player like Devontae Adams, but you're gonna have to kind of build here within. And and you know, like I said, you you're not gonna probably get your number one receiver. Uh, most likely not this offseason. You're probably have to fill in with some twos and threes and just kind of make do with it and get creative offensively. And, and then, but the main thing is you got to protect your quarterback. You got to let him develop, not you know, not not let him get you know rattled back there and, and with you know with lack of protection, all that stuff. Give him some weapons on the outside. Rely on that running running game that you have with with a two headed monster with with Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. And then now now you play, you know you hope that defense can can come around and, and some of these these veterans that were kind of you know, Eddie Goldman, you know, can he go ahead and, and play that one technique and, and be a, a presence in the middle of the defensive lineman? Can you, can you, can Bilal Nichols be that great technique that we're, we're, we've been talking about here? You know, obviously, you got the two guys on the edge, you know, can Khalil Mack and, and Robert Quinn stay healthy and produce, you know, like Quinn did last year and, and Mack did a couple of years ago. So, you know, if you get that pressure with those front four, the defense becomes much more easier to play because now you can drop guys back and they keep everything in front of you. You can attack and you, you be at that bend, but don't break defense and you, you be very successful. You just need a running, running attack to kind of op- complement your young quarterback and you got to protect them. To uh, Neil's point, you know, the salary cap mess that uh, Ryan Pace left the team, you know, we still have to pay Charles Leno money uh, in 2022, which could explain why my February, 2022 calendar has Charles Leno? <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, and they, they figured they figured we, we, we don't have a replacement on, on a roster. We can't possibly cut him. 
That's right. There's your guy, Anthony Miller from March. Oh, yes. My favorite. Yeah. Speaking, of, speaking, of, Anthony, or... speaking of Anthony Miller, uh, he oh, also came out. Right. Nick, Nick Foles for April. It's like, what, what is going on with the calendar? Anyway, Anthony Miller, that, that had to be a Ryan Pace thing. That, he, he probably signed off on that. Which Ryan Pace, by the way, working again now. He's got a job. Senior with the executive. Office. Senior personnel the executive. NFL. The Falcons take all of our ex-GMs. They have uh, Emery, I feel Emery on their, on their uh, payroll. Now they have Ryan Pace on their payroll. They have some, some ex-coaches uh, as well. So people <laughs> from Chicago just go down in, in, in to Atlanta. But uh, – yeah, I mean, I, you see uh, uh, Anthony Miller kind of backed up and kind of gave his story in terms of what happened with Matt Nagy. <clears throat> Alan Robinson, same thing. And and then obviously with Trubisky, <clears throat> sorry. <coughs> yeah, we've been, we're getting all these stories now from all these former players. One guy I'm dying to hear from is Akeem <clears throat> Hicks. And the fact that he has not come public yet, I think is because there's still a smidgen of a chance that he might re-sign with the Chicago Bears. But please go on with your point, Danny. No, I'm just saying, like, like we all thought that Matt Nagy was a players' coach, like, quote unquote, and then like these players love playing for him and all that stuff, and just, just more and more stories come out where, where the, these players were not satisfied with what they were getting in terms of from the head coach and from their position, the position coaches as well. So, you know, I, I, I was, I've been on here for a couple of years now, ragging on, on Mike Fury, and you know, he's a guy that, that to me, sucked at his job. You know, I, I've never been in a, in a, in a, in a room with him. But I can just see from the from the players on the field, no one got better under his watch. So you know that's the thing with 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 these coaches. You know the head coach coaches everybody, but these position coaches they're they're vital. That's why when when uh, Matt Eberflus was filling up his coaching staff, that's like I want to see who these guys were. And I liked seeing guys had NFL experience, guys that been been you know uh, done this for for multiple years, that been with teams for you know for a long time. Like these guys have that experience going and coach these guys up, hopefully. And make them, um, you know, better players on on the field, and that's something that they stressed in the in the opening press conference was was coach, you know, coaching these players up and making them better. And I think that's what we hopefully we can get this time. But we didn't get that with with the Matt Nagy. I mean, uh, other than that defensive line coach, and I I can't remember his name now. He went to the to the Chargers. Jay, uh, Jay Rogers. Thank you, Jay Rogers. Jay Rogers. I, I, I mean, I didn't see anybody get better, right? I mean, the corners got better. So the Shea Townsend, the, the corner coach, you know, he, I could say he did his job as well. I think Sean Desai did, did, a, did a solid job, you know, for, for what he had to deal with last year as well. So, you know, I, I think defensively we, we saw some coaches do their job, but offensive-wise, I mean, like, talk about Juan Castillo, they, they brought this guy in like like he's some sort of guru offensive line coach, and, you know, he, he, you know, he get let go. And where does he go? He goes becomes a tight ends coach with, with Washington. So, you know, it just tells you what, what kind of coaching staff Matt Nagy had on, on the offensive side there. And he was unemployed the year before right. the Bears signed him. Not unemployed. I mean, he was doing some work for Michigan, but he wasn't on an NFL team. So he's he's a he's a journeyman when it comes to coaching. Hey, guys, earlier uh, today on the Greg Gabriel Talks football show, I asked him about Caleb Johnson, and he said that he would not be surprised if Caleb Johnson was starting at middle linebacker. I bring that up because Bears fan Goomba says, hey, guys, what about Caleb Johnson and Charles Snowden, two UDFAs from last year, and Dieter Iceland, who was on the uh, All Futures team or whatever that that's that's called. Um, so your thoughts on Johnson, Snowden, and Iceland? Yeah, I, I think Caleb Johnson fits this this system perfectly. He's a he's a he's a sideline sideline, you know, uh, playmaking linebacker. Now I just don't know if he's going to be middle linebacker or or, or, uh, or weak side linebacker, but definitely a guy that fits this system perfectly. Uh, Snowden for me uh, was a better fit last year as, as an outside linebacker, three four rush guy off the edge. He's a guy that's got lot, lot, nice length and size. 
but you know, are, are they going to put on weight and make him an edge guy, a, a hand in the ground defensive lineman? Are they going to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, versatile hybrid where they're going to run some three four and bring him in? Are they going to, you know, he he played I believe weak side or strong side linebacker at Virginia, Snowden that is. So you know, he's a, he's got an ability to be able to drop back in coverage and and, and be a you know a guy that can that can plant and attack downhill in space. So we'll we'll see that that that's a that's a curious one with with Snowden. See what what happens there. But yeah. Caleb Johnson is, is a guy that really impressed me off of this tape when they signed him as, as an undrafted free agent. And I think obviously he made the team last year, uh, made some plays on special teams. Unfortunately, got hurt, uh, missed a big portion of the season. But I think that kind of you know tampered his development. But I definitely want to see this guy do something here with this with this coaching staff. And this this system is is tailor made for him. Yeah, the problem with Snowden is that he's as big around as his pencil, his pen right here. You know. <laughs> You gotta, he's a thin guy, but but he might have wait. We haven't seen him. We haven't seen him in a while. He, he's the ultimate tweener for what we're looking for right now. <laughs> you, we got got to figure out a way to put some weight on him if, if it's possible. You know, he might be a hard gainer. You never know. You know, he he he's been you know thin for life. Uh, but yeah, Caleb Johnson. I mean, we we broke him down last year in the uh, uh, mm-hmm. the undrafted free agent show. Man, we mm-hmm. you got to love the way that that kid plays football. You know, again, sideline to sideline, high motor, high energy, hard hitter, physical. Brings the nasty, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Speaking of bringing the nasty, I won my bet. Chicago Bulls minus three point five. They're a four point winner over the Hawks at the United Center. Ooh, what man. an end to a beautiful day here at the barroom and all over. Air Bear wants to know if Snow need to play safety. <laughs> Way to go, Air Bear. <laughs> These guys have been great. I want to tell you, uh, uh, this show is going to be on demand here on YouTube, so that's the best way to, to see the show, to uh, appreciate the show because of the video clips and uh, those two handsome gentlemen gentlemen above the screen here above my ugly face so that's the way to do it but if you can only catch the audio version then just tell your friends they have to uh search for bears uh excuse me barroom network on any of their podcast delivery channels itunes spotify podbean you name it we're all over the place uh and just subscribe to that and you'll get all of our shows absolutely free and we've got a lot a lot a lot of bears coverage coming up so that is it for tonight. Let's just go around the horn here. Any uh, shout outs you guys want to talk about? Uh, send some love to somebody. Uh, uh, Neil, you first, please. Always got to you know, throw a shout out to my wonderful, amazing significant other that deals with my ass on a daily basis and <laughs> having to be quiet as possible for two hours at a time and take care of the dog and make sure he's not barking. So, you know, <laughs> mad props to her. But, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, next show I won't be nearly as red or or, you know, looking like a tomato. Still look down this, this uh, sunburn. And I, I, look, I feel like I look a little red. No, way. you look but, uh, uh, like tan and healthy. All good. Oh, there, shit, there, there we go then. Pretty sexy. <laughs> no, the, the, the funny thing about it is, is that, you know, the, uh, the, the Saturday down in Houston, it was, you know, kind of chilling in the morning. It was like 45 degrees when we woke up. We got to the facility, you know, set up all those check-ins and everything else, got all the measurables and all those kits. And then uh, you know it warmed up to about sixty-five degrees. Not a cloud in the sky. Sun was like high in the sky. I'm still in winter mode. I'm thinking to myself, ah, oh, well, you know, you know, it, it, it's February. The sun can't can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I get so locked in on on you know watching these kids move around and and you know catching the drills and everything else. I didn't think to take a drink of water or put sunblock on my head until one o'clock in the afternoon. Ooh. And uh, let's just say that this didn't feel good. <laughs> Feeling pretty toasty by the end of the day. <laughs> That was an ouchie, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty bad news. Feeling good now though. Feeling good. 
Good. Good to hear. Danny, any uh, shout outs? Any uh, anything you want to close the show with? Just shout out to, to our to our listeners, man. They uh, they uh, you know they they gave us the Demarco Jackson and, and a couple other players here that they, they want us to go ahead and, and uh, break down for them. So I just say you know keep it bringing you know bring it on, guys. You know you guys are, are very knowledgeable in terms of some of these prospects that are coming out for the Bears. And if there's any guys you guys want us to go ahead and break down, both Neil and I, you know sh- shoot us a text or, or I'm sorry, uh, sort of hit us up on, on Twitter. At, for me, it's at dshiman56. And in, in the Neil's is too long for me to go and, and, and uh, read out to you, but uh, Neil can do that for himself. But uh, yeah, just just give us these names of these players you guys want us to break down. Again, we're we're concentrating on guys that fit the need, fit the scheme, and 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 are are, are you know realistically available for for the Bears at at, at their you know their uh, allotted picks. So uh, you know, there's guys you know there's guys you guys want us to look at. Just shoot us a shoot us a, 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 a tweet, and and we'll go ahead and we're breaking down for you. And for me, the Twitter handle is at N I E L S T O P C Z Y N S K I. Nice and phonetic for you. Makes a See, whole lot of sense. It was too long for me to say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think about it. It's like that was that was a good point, man, Danny. Like you're, we're, we're talking about guys in terms of getability. I think like uh, last year we spent a lot of time. I mean, granted, we had you know a top pick in the draft last year, but we all knew we we're going to take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think last time we spent a lot of time on guys that. We knew we weren't going to get that weren't going to fall to us that we had no business even you know being in the mix for um you know this year we're going to focus specifically on guys that should fall to our picks would and we'd be in line for you know should they be there the getability factor is pretty huge on this year's show so uh yeah just you know hit us up on, on twitter dm us whatever the case may be give us your recommendations ask us to break whatever down ask us all the questions and uh promise we'll probably we'll try to get to you either on twitter or on the show and uh, try to do it as uh, best as we possibly can, man. All about efficiency. Yep. And in the weeks ahead, uh, if you want to send us your mock draft, send us your favorite mock draft. Foster says he's already done 67 mock drafts this year. Send us one of those, and uh, we'll uh, evaluate it here uh, on a future show. That, I think, will be a fun exercise for all of us to do. And uh, that is it. Uh, Swanky says, great show. And uh, Swanky, you just arrived. I know you just did because that's your first, <laughs> that's your first point, post on, on the chat room. So I know you just arrived. So check it out on demand here on YouTube and, uh, and of course, wherever you get your podcast. That's it for this show of Draft on Tap. For Neil Stopchinski, Danny Shimon, and myself, Aldo Gandia. Take care, everybody.